Viewer discretion is advised. If you look after yourself, your time on this planet is longer. You give yourself like another good 10, 15 years if you look after yourself. If you don't look after yourself, time goes faster. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is originally from the friendly islands of the Kingdom of Tonga, but now resides for many years in Tabaki Makoto, but more so in Papakura. He's an amazing talent, he's an actor, he's also a former TV presenter, and also he's a real estate agent. And so he's in the real estate industry at the moment as, as well, but also he also sells fencing um, up and down uh, throughout the North Island. And also the man is also a fitness freak. He's uh, one of the, the lead trainers in Fit uh, at Fit60. And also the man has his own podcast and it's called Garage Drinks with Mike. Please put your hands together for the highly motivated and the extremely talented Togua, Michael Kolo. <laughs> I've never had an intro like that before. If anything, just before we kind of dive more so in the conversation, Mike, because you're a busy man, you're a very busy individual. And so I'm wondering, because I didn't mention you, your family, your five kids, your wife, your beautiful wife and your, and your lovely kids. How do you how do you juggle all of that, bro? Because you, you're, you're busy. Yeah, I suppose I suppose I am a little bit busy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit busy. Um, I, I suppose the number one thing about it is my wife. Like it starts, it basically sort of starts and ends with, you know, having an amazing wife, an amazing partner in life that I can lean on and that helps me balance and counter all the stuff. Um, I think I'm probably naturally... Um, quite a busy-minded person and there's a lot of different things that I um, probably pursue and they're quite different <laughs> but um, I've, I've always had that sort of self-confidence to try things try new things um, and back myself I don't know where that comes from <laughs> but um, my wife's always been behind me as well and but a big part of me you know, yeah, because if I if you list off like the jobs and stuff it sounds like I'm you know I'm flat out and stuff but I think probably before anything i'm a husband and a father and those are the probably the most two important roles because without those two things everything else falls away everything else doesn't really mean anything you know the other jobs i can't juggle anything without being a husband and a father so yeah so it all starts from home and then it sort of goes into my drive um for it's not so much that i wanted to do so many different things it's just that i really wanted my family to get ahead and I mean that I'm not a celebrity or anything, you know, extraordinary. I'm not, um, I'm not anyone famous or anything. But all those little things that I do, they all come together because I really, really wanted my family to be pushed ahead. And coming from Tonga, um, I just, I just really have a drive to like really push my family and and to set up my kids and my household. And so that's why it sounds like there's so many different jobs and stuff that I juggle. But the reality is that's where it all comes from. It's for my family. It's for my for my wife. For my kids. Yeah. Wow, because yeah, because um, what you came from from Tonga to New Zealand, what the age of sixteen? Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, how was that? Because it was a real culture shock coming from the islands to New Zealand, especially at, at that age as a teenager. So, how how did you navigate all all of that and kind of kind of kind of mix and mingle it and kind of assimilate in in New Zealand? I think I had an advantage. Um, I think I had an advantage starting off because my mum's white. And so I was born and raised in Tongatapu um, and I speak Tong and everything. I went to primary school and did all my high school years there. But, you know, being half caste and being able to speak English, 
um, automatically kind of puts me on a front foot compared to a lot of other, you know, Pacific Pacific Island migrants that come here. So I think I had that advantage already, you know, which is a good thing. However, the cult, there was still a culture shock though, because there was a lot of things that weren't the same as um, what I grew up with. Um, for starters, just, just being surrounded by white people was uncomfortable because I was just so used to always being surrounded by Tongans, you know, and so used to being surrounded by bigger people than me. Was, I grew up with dudes that, that were like 300, you know, from the movie. Like they were, these guys that I grew up with always naturally, I was always the smaller, skinnier one, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you come into a, a culture where mainly surrounded by white people. There was only one other Pacific Islander at the school I went to, um, it was a Samoan and immediately I didn't like him because, <laughs> because this is uh, this is probably just before the internet as well. And so naturally Tonga and Samoa are already sort of, um, you know, not foes, but um, competitive in, the, in rugby, especially, you know. Uh, but me and him eventually became the best of friends um, and cut each other's hair. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but yeah, but the, um, if you think about the culture, so a lot of it was the weather. Um, New Zealand's got much drier climate. So if you're coming from a humid country to a much drier climate, the skin would dry out. I refused to wear like moisturizer because I thought it was feminine to put stuff on your face or, <laughs> or to put lip balm on. So my lips would crack, bleed, my skin would crack and stuff. And yeah, just being around the whole different culture of, you know, where people don't share their lunch yeah, in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really hit me as well. Like, um, like you and I would sit here and you'd eat your lunch while we're talking and not offer me any. And I just felt weird, like, you don't like me? <laughs> yeah. You know, because um, where I grew up, man, like uh, if one person bought like a meat pie at the tuck shop, that meat pie would have like six different bites out of it. Everyone gets a bite, everyone eats. You know what I mean? Like, and so those small little things, they really, uh, and I think they really hit as well to other people that do come over for the first time, you know, and yeah, culture shocks for any culture, I suppose, is quite a hard thing to deal with. Mm, yeah, 100%, man, well said. Man, did that ever make you question like things like your own identity and like fitting in and your ability to fit in? Or were you always confident even back then about your ability to sort of mix and mingle? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I come across a lot of, um, especially hafakasi, hafkas that um, feel really um, torn about their identities, trying to fit into like, where do I fit in, where do I fit in? Um, not me. I always 100% knew who I was. I never felt insecure about um, rolling in the different worlds. There's two different worlds I can roll in because I could speak English really well and speak Tongan really well as well. Can flow in both worlds and switch into both really quickly. Um, so I think that was, uh, I'm really lucky to have that sort of self-confidence, you know? And I was always, um, when I went to drama school uh, when I was about 17, 18, I always had quite firm roots in who I was as a person. So I was, I, um, I guess over the years I have grown emotionally and mentally, you know, and my thoughts and everything I, but, um, but when it comes down to who I really am, I've always known at the core who I, who I really am and, and what I want to be. Yeah. Man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's, that's interesting, um, Mike, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you see a lot of the, our, our people, you know, whether Pacifica or whatever, Māori, and that seems to be like a, one of the biggest issues in terms of identity, knowing who they who they are, all that kind of stuff. Culture, they, they, you know, you always hear the hear that there's the, the saying, "Oh, you're plastic. You're you're not, you're not a true islander." All that kind of stuff. It's more so of a gussy. Mm. But bro, I love it that you like. No, oh, you just come one hundred percent. Said you know what? I know who I am. This mm. is who I am. I speak fluent um, English and fluent Dongan. Mm. So. Help because some of these people might be watching this, or a lot of the men might be watching this, or whoever's watching this, maybe thinking, 
how do you come to that place? Because there's a lot of young people who are still trying to figure out who they are, even adults, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So I think for even we can use, we can both we can all talk about it, even you, Jay, in terms of some of your thoughts. Why? What do you think? It's that identity is such a big issue, and more so specifically for our men. Um, to be honest, I find it more amongst the New Zealand-born Pacific Islanders. That's a real honest um, answer to that. Um, and I think um, I think I. Man, it must be hard growing up here, you know, because because when I grew up in Tonga, like uh, I went to the bush on Sundays. Um, I went for all the all the you know the tradition, all the funerals, the weddings and stuff. I knew so the culture's already the culture's already part of me, you know what I mean. So everything that I'm doing, I'm already I'm already interwoven into the culture naturally. Uh, the food that I'm eating, the climate, the it's all the stuff that I, my ancestors did. I'm already there, you know what I mean. So I have that advantage. Of like having that, but when you when you're forced to grow up in, in a um, in a westernized country, then you have to kind of battle for yourself to find that. You know what I mean? And I can understand. So it's not going to be as easy for my children to find their identity as it is for me knowing who I am. You know, and sometimes I find as well, um, probably for a lot of uh, Pacific Islander New Zealanders, um, how do I say this? Um, that they are more. Um, they, they want to express their culture more or they're trying to reach for it even more than me. But because I suppose because I don't reach for it so much because it's just there. I'm just comfortable with it. I've already, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I'm putting the right words out. No, 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 no. no. I, 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 get, I get it, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. So I can understand it's, it's a, hard, much harder, a much harder road for New Zealand-born Pacific Islanders to try and navigate their own identity. Um, whereas for someone like me, I kind of, um, very fortunate, I suppose, to have been born and raised over there and, you know, had that life and then come over here. And then it was more the integration over here and um, to trying to build my own life here. Because then I feel like I'm starting again. I'm not from ground zero because I'm half cast, but starting again from a new beginning and then having to build up. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I, I think, yeah I, yeah. yeah, I think I agree also. I think, I mean, I was born here. My birth father is Samoan and so is my mum. So technically I'm full Samoan, even though I wasn't raised with my father. Um, but because of my mum's beliefs, who she inherited from her grandmother who came here, um, they sort of grew up with the perception that like the Pakia way is the best way. Like you'll find more success, you'll get ahead more if you only speak English, if you, you know, sort of go to schools where there's more Pakia people. So my parents moved us out of South Auckland just as I had high school and moved me into a, an area that had a lot of Pakeha people and I just felt so disconnected. Um, and I realized, it wasn't until I was older that I realized that I felt like I was in this weird middle ground, weird limbo that like, because I'd been raised with a Samoan culture at arm's length, I didn't really know anything about it. All of my perceptions were quite negative towards the Samoan culture. Oh. Um, but yet I was almost like the tokenistic brown guy. So I was sort of ticking that box as being like, oh, that's the brown guy in our group. Oh. Um, and even then I felt like I was never really accepted mm. with my friends, but trying my best to fit in and be one of them. Um, and then as an adult, yeah, you, you, you kind of, now things have switched socially where in society it's, you know, it's embrace your culture and speak your native tongue. And now I feel like, you know, and I, I realize now that there's a lot of us that were born here in New Zealand um, that are in similar situations where we're kind of in this weird middle ground um, trying to learn about our culture as adults and sort of reclaim that, that cultural knowledge, that ancestral knowledge. Yeah. So although 
I can look back at it and, you know, it wasn't ideal and there's probably a lot of issues I faced because of that. I'm, I'm grateful that at least now I have the knowledge and I'm, or I'm, at least I'm trying to obtain the knowledge. Mm. It makes life a little bit more exciting. It means I have to get out a bit more and yeah. ask the people who are still around who have stories and have connections back to the villages and so. So it really is the battle of migration, eh? Because mm. you can see, like, from your parents' point of view, what they were trying to do for you. Exactly, I, I get that. You know, I understand that, and they're trying to, and that's for the best. That's for your betterment. You know, that's why they did that move. But you know, contradictly, like you, you've um, you feel like a little bit disconnected from your own culture because you're now removed. You know, and I suppose that's the battle of like migration and bringing Pacific Islanders over here and how it moves forward. Um, but then like, if you think about the African-Americans, you know, like for all those, there's a lot, 400 years of slavery, man, it's pretty terrible. But then they sort of grew their own identity out of that, you know? And I just, do you wonder where as Pacific Islanders, we're gonna go, you know, in the next few generations, because this is all a process of evolution. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. That but is. Have, have you had any sort of experiences? Oh, or because I, I love what you said, um, uh, Mike. Because I notice, I notice, like, like I'll have relatives. You know, obviously we come, they come from Samoa or from Tonga, and they come and and they they had this 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 sense of confidence about right. themselves. They're, they're very, very confident. They're and they were they were this, they, they were the, they didn't change who they were if the, in front of people. They're, if they were amongst the Balangis, they were quite the Balangis loved it. And I think and you and you're right. I don't know. Maybe you you can, you can tell if, if it's true or false. But a lot of the, the a lot of my cousins who come over from the islands. I mean, put, yeah, people would mock them, ah, oh, fobs and all that kind of mm. stuff. But these guys were quite confident. Mm. And they'll be in the midst of, of, of Balangi people and, and they would still be talking and the Balangi people loved them. Mm. For some reason, but they loved them. What the heck? And then for us, who oh, for me, it was Kiwi born, like, oh man, I don't, I don't feel like I connect with these, these Balangis and you kind of feel kind of awkward. Right. Um, but these these other guys, and maybe it's what you're saying, Mike, because you, you grew up in the culture, you know who you are, you're firm in, in your culture, and regardless of where you are, you're still the same. And there's no, there's no fucking mouth, there's no shame yeah. to express who you really are. And I noticed that, and and for me, it's, it's the same thing in terms of being born in born New, born New Zealand, raised up in New Zealand. But I always, yeah, there's always a sense of okay, uh, uh, a disconnection because you have to speak someone at home, then you go to school, mm. the English. Um, but more so now, I feel like it's a it's a superpower now. Mm. You know, you know, because mm. you know, you, you, you we're able to kind of kind of navigate both worlds, you know, whether it's Pacifica or even even sometimes Tangata Whenua or even the, the Pākehā world. You know, it's it's we have the we have the best of, of three worlds, I, I guess, so to speak. Mm. Uh, but, in, yeah, in, when I, in the younger days, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, this, I don't know, I just didn't fit well if, my, if I didn't speak fluent Samoan. Right. If I didn't, if I didn't sound proper, you know, the English wasn't proper, then you didn't fit. And even, even not, not just culture, but even just... In terms of other other stuff or sports, whatever, I didn't fit in here. Um, but I think the, the older you grow, the more you you like you were saying, the more you kind of know who you are, the more comfortable you are in your own skin, and that it doesn't matter anymore because you know who you are. Mm. But still, it seems like it's a it's a massive massive issue um, in this day and age. I do get curious about like, and obviously it's not something I can relate to, but like kids who come over and really confident in the identity, like. Did it wear on you a bit, like over time, where you just started to question a little bit? Did, sorry, did like what, uh, in terms of, um, like you come. I, I just remember kids from high school now that's come to mind where they've come from the islands, really confident, and they often got um, 
misconstrued as the naughty kids. Right. But looking back, you know, they were just really confident in what they wanted and they just went out and did it. Yeah. But I wonder if the pressures of like fitting into, I don't know what you call it, Pakia, Western society, um, if that ever bears on children or people that come from the islands like wanting having to fit in like there must be a time where they're they're confident at first but eventually they're like no one else is like me maybe i should adapt um if anything it's uh it's not not knowing how certain things work Mm. not knowing how if postcards work (laughs) not knowing not knowing how to use escalators um, if anything, it was the that sort of adjustment, not knowing how um, in the islands when you pull the um, when you're on the bus and you pull oh, the thing the on the bus, the bus just stops. But not knowing that here in New Zealand you got to press the thing and there's certain bus stops where the, the bus is stopped. <laughs> <laughs> all these little things, man. All these little things they make they they yeah you're right. They build a little bit of insecurity because you're not used to like you don't know how this country operates. You don't know how the Western world operates. You know, and yeah, over time I slowly learn, slowly teach teach myself, you know, and understand how things work, like of cell phone credit, how that worked when we first got cell phones. Um, but yeah, there were many little things, adjustments like that, that I don't really know or understand. Moisturizing your face, putting lip balm on, all those things, you know, like, um, um, yeah, because New Zealand, the Western world has different standards <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, to the Pacific, which is obviously like third world countries. And I remember, oh yeah, I remember also thinking like, um, when I first came over, I was like, man, track pants and stuff are real cheap, actually. Hey, but then realizing that there's a different level between $2 shop track pants. And like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the because brands. they're all just, you know, from a from a Tongan point of view, they're all track pants, you know, until you start to realize the differentiation and labels and stuff. And, <laughs> and the brands, the brands are you. The brands, yeah. Man. Oh, man. I'm curious about like clashes of like, cultural views on things like masculinity where like, you know, you mentioned like, you know, taking care of yourself, self-care is like a normal thing in the Western world. Um, but I imagine um, masculinity looks different in the islands. And so like, different. What that sort of like navigating that space where you're like, oh, okay, this is how it's done here. Mm. But I just, I'm still not less of a man. Mm. This is just the way it's done here. Mm. Like what, if there's any internal battles mm. with things like masculinity? That's a great question, man. That's such a good question. Masculinity in the in Tonga is um is you are a man of God and you look after your family and you throw down with whoever. And that's about it, you know? And that's um but those are three very important things and they're three very um what do you call them? It's going it's not going back back, but it's, you know, not hunter gatherer style, but it's it's the essence of who a man is and a man is a leader, okay? Um, coming here to New Zealand and how that, so how that perception of a male evolves is um, I've been fortunate enough to be um, sort of surrounded by really good Pacific Island role models men, you know? And I think of like Ruben Wiki, I think of like Kevin Mialamu um, and men men that are really good athletes, um, but not just that, have, um, they're strong men, but they're strong because their character is strong. You know, and what that means is that um, well, not necessarily that they'll back down to anyone, but that they are willing to be humble enough to respect everyone. You know, there's that saying, and it's really true saying, is um, fear no one, respect everyone. And I'd add to that, love unconditionally. It's so important, man. It's so important, you know, because when you respect everyone, you give everyone your respect, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter where they're at, you know, it's the ability to greet people in the eye, shake their hand, be polite, be humble to them, 
you know, and understand that um, no matter where that they're at somewhere in their journey, but you got to respect wherever they're at in their journey. But also the part of like fearing no one, no matter what room you're in, no matter what table you're sitting at, no matter what your surroundings are, you know, never to be afraid to say, say what your mind is, say what your heart is, speak up for who you are, because it matters, it counts, you know, if it doesn't, you wouldn't be there in the first place, you know, and so I've been lucky to be surrounded by kind of like role models like that. My father died when I was uh, 10, buried on my 11th birthday. So I never really had like a father figure um, growing up from beyond that. And so a lot of the stuff I just kind of taught myself. Um, my mum was a solo mum and she had, there was the five of us and I was the second eldest. And so a lot of the stuff I just sort of like, I picked and choose what I needed from like different men that I came across. And yeah, and I hope, I hope that I've picked the right things. <laughs> no, man, hey, bro, you do some, bro, you do some awesome stuff, Mike. I think you have picked up um, in terms of those who influence um, you in terms of manhood. But in saying that, like, I know with Donga, obviously very similar to Samoa as well and other Pacific nations. So vulnerability is, you know, as, as Pacific Islanders, how was, how, how did, what were your thoughts in terms of vulnerability? The word vulnerability is kind of quite common now. It's kind of out there now. Was it easy for you? Like, oh man, what's this Western thing about being vulnerable? Share, express your feelings and your emotions. What, 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 what was going through your mind? We think, well, what else is this? Is this like a Western thing? Or? Yeah, it's, a, it's non-existent. It's, uh, it felt foreign. It's like, I'd, why would I be vulnerable? Why would I open up my heart or my thoughts to people that don't know? Why would I do that? You know, um, so vulnerability, um, especially for Pacific Island men, I don't think there's there's vulnerability probably just at home with their wives and probably only their wives, if even if that, you know, some not even, you know. Um, but that, that see, that that's a problem in itself. That's a problem that I see, I see now, you know, when I see, and it's almost like a clash of generations because um, I understand it. I understand like uh, Pacific Island men that refuse to be vulnerable, refuse to talk about things and stuff, okay? But if they don't talk about it, how the hell the next generation supposed to know about it? Okay, I'm gonna give you a really good example. And this is, um, I had a daughter I just recently connected with about a year ago, okay? I hadn't been in touch with her for about 11 years, 11 years. Now, the whole, all the backstory and stuff, you know, I felt really, um, because um, she's with her mother and um, stepfather, right? And I shouldn't say stepfather because he is her father, you know? Man, I want to shout out to Junior right now. Like, I have so much love and respect for this guy. He's a brother to me. And we are the two fathers of this beautiful daughter. Anyway, um, she reached out to my wife on Instagram, okay? And my wife came and told me, she was like, um, um, your daughter, has reached out to show me the message. I was like, oh my God, <sighs> I do. All the feelings of like shame and stuff come back. Of, and I feel, I feel like dirty. I feel like, you know, like, I feel like, oh my God, man, like what's, what are my kids gonna think? You know, how am I gonna, my father's like, you gotta, you gotta tell the other kids. You gotta tell them. I was like, fuck, man. Like, this is, because uh, it brings back all the memories. It was like, then it was like 10 years ago of all the drama and stuff that had happened and you know, and how this whole situation had happened. So I set the kids down in the lounge. I literally forced the words out of my mouth. Reaction from my kids was like, <gasps> we got a sister, oh my God. That just flipped everything for me. That just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. 
I couldn't believe it. Like, don't they think that their dad's disgusting? Don't they think, you know what I mean? But no, I saw it as a positive. And then I realized it's all in my head. It's all in my head. I've been doing this to myself when there's a little girl that's waiting to be loved. You know what I mean? Like, so as Pacific Island men, if you don't talk about the stuff, you don't talk about the stuff to your children, if you don't open up about it, like, like think about if I had made, if I'd, nah, 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 we don't do that. It's their family. This is my family. We don't do that. Think about if I had done that and like, and there's a girl there that's like a little bit lost because someone refuses to acknowledge her and stuff, you know, but now the two families work so well together. I have so much love for like her parents who we work so well together with, you know, it's, I couldn't, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. You know, yeah, it's the only word I can, <laughs> I can say I've been blessed, but the more that we hold on to our problems, the more that we, we just, we, we think that our, our problems are our dirty little secrets. Then the more we're not educating our children and stuff to, to know what it's like to face their own demons, to face their own, not well, their own secrets and stuff, you know? And if you, if you, if you do, you're doing your children a disadvantage, you're doing them a disservice if you're not being honest, you know? So that's where I stand on like, that's where, that's where I think about, you know, when you talk about Pacific Island men vulnerability, so it's so important now to like talk about this stuff. We can all sit here though, and we can talk about this right now in 2022, you know, we have no idea how hard it was for like our fathers and our grandfathers mm -hmm. to come here and what they were facing and what they were holding on to. And I get that, I understand that, you know, but, now we have an now you have an opportunity to do your children a favor, you know, to like share with them. Well, this was hard because when this situation happened, I felt like this, and I felt that he was wrong. And da, da, da. But your children are learning when you when you they, when you talk about that. They're like, oh, oh, okay, and they're taking in their own lessons for themselves. And so, like, hopefully or possibly one day when they're in the same situation themselves, they have an opportunity to like, oh, well, dad told me about this years ago. If he went through it, then you know what I mean. I didn't have a dad to teach me all these things. So maybe maybe other fathers do. And I salute you if you are out there and you are doing this with your children. Um, I wasn't fortunate enough to have a father, you know, past 10 years old that would like share stuff like that with me. I wish I had, but that's the sort of father I hope to be and I try to be with my children. Maru, Maru, lover. Man, that's full on. That was, man, big ups on School, getting cool. through that. I, I mean, I can't really imagine. I can kind of imagine, but... Just the pressure, the internal pressure, because I know the internal dialogue is always, yeah. you're always your biggest critic. Yeah, well, as Pacific Islanders, we have a big thing about shame, eh? Yeah, a big massive. thing about shame and about being shamed in public and the family's shamed. And bro, man, stop. You know what I mean? Stop, because that shame is causing a trauma and that trauma, it's only gonna go down through your generations. It's only gonna go one place, you know? So that whole thing about shaming people, like, oh, what? He had a daughter, like a daughter that's been hidden away or something, like stop with that, you know? It's a good thing, it's a positive thing. I know of many Tongan men that refuse to acknowledge the illegitimate children that they may have had, you know? And they refuse because they block it out because it's uh, it's it's, not part of being a family man. What's a family man, you know? <laughs> man, that's so true. Oh, mate, because you, you open up a can of worms on um, Mike, because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <we> <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, you have, Mike, because it's, it's interesting, because um, I'm thinking about my own dad. My dad kind of, you know, he kind of kind of went out and kind of sewed his, you know, did, did his thing back in the past. And, and for 
you know, for years. I didn't even realize I had a brother. I didn't realize I had another sister. And I don't even know if I have any other siblings out there. Um, but yeah, but dad's passed on now. Love, yeah, rest in peace, dad. Um, but the, the trauma, because my mom was, and just this is the, I'm talking about my mom, my mom, God fearing woman, loves God, loves family. When she found out, oh man, no, want nothing to do with these kids. And I was just thinking, why didn't dad tell us what was going on? And, and you're right, it was the same thing, the fuckama, the shame, don't want to, be, you know, good on dad for kind of bringing out and, and telling us later on. Uh, but the thing is, I, I wonder how much of, of that really impacts the, the trauma that's being passed on to these these kids yeah. who don't know anything. And, and how long did my dad kind of hit the secret um, but and not be able to talk about it? And you're right. It really is a lot of it, our mental gymnastics in our, he, our own heads. Like, oh, I can't do this. I don't. It's a lot of the shame, a lot of fuckama, a lot of pride. But I think what needs to be kind of addressed as well, I'm like, and you have, will have a good insight. And, and likewise, Jay, is not only the fuckama, but our pride. Uh, as as a people, because I know that's really strong, and whether you're Tongan, Samoan, or Niuean, there's a lot of pride in our people, and so even when you know you're wrong, you we're still right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what what, what are your thoughts on on the pride um, aspect? Yeah, pride is a killer of all men. You know, especially our Pacific Island men. You know, pride, the killer of men. The you know that one of the biggest causes of suicide. You know, because pride contributes to that mental health and that mental battle that they have, that inner turmoil, you know, that turns, that churns inside them, that eats them alive. But you can turn it around and be proud of the, be able to be proud of the mistakes that you've made and be proud that you can stand up and own them. And that flips everything. When you start to own who you are and, and acknowledge the mistakes that you've been through or the, or the, the wrong choices that you've made, you start to own that, you can be proud, really proud of who you are. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because the, you know, you can be proud in a sense of like, um, you can be proud of like who you think you may be or how you think you wanna be perceived, but until you are really honest with yourself and can really look at yourself in the mirror and know that you've been honest with yourself, honest with those that love you, that are around you, then you know that you, you know that you're hiding something deep down inside, you know? Um, yeah, like I, it always comes back to my wife, man. Like I can't, I can't stress enough that it's such an important, she's such an important part of my life and has supported me um, through so many, supported me through that. That's just one thing. That's just one thing, you know, like, um, <laughs> She has supported me through so many different things. She supported me through getting um, anger management counseling, gone through that three times. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> you're, you're such a lovely guy, Mike. <laughs> but yeah, she's she really is, um, I'm not here today without her, yeah. And it's really interesting. It just made me think about the contrast between um, you know, a lot of people look at Pacific Islanders and say, oh, you know, such a humble people. Mm. Um, but then there's this flip side of like, in a way we're humble, but through another lens, we're also really prideful, um, mm. especially when it comes to accountability mm. um, and owning up to our mistakes. And one of the hardest things is looking at yourself in the mirror without any bias, because oftentimes I feel like, you know, there's a lot of justification and, um, you know, we justify to ourselves why a behavior that we know is not right, you know, how it can be okay in some one-off one percent scenario and we pass it off as okay and it's i think it it does take a lot of courage and i've always been a believer in that 
if you don't own up to those things that you do, life will keep getting harder and you'll question why are these things happening to me? Um, but there's always an underlying pattern. There's a pattern there. And if you're not willing to dig things up and find that pattern, you'll never really be able to patch your life together the mm. way that you hope to. Mm. Um, so, and, and I'm really inspired by just you shouting out to your wife. And um, I'm a little bit curious about, you mentioned before about the betterment of your family and uh, like all the things that you do. So I was curious about what that image or what those details of like betterment is in your eyes. Yes. Um, and you got great questions, man. I like yeah, this. Is, this, is the band, man. This, this, this is our school teacher here, man. This is our school Surely. teacher here. Um, betterment for my family means um, that I hope to leave them in a better place than where I was, you know. Um, you want your children to stand on your shoulders. I want to push them as far as I can. And then wherever that is, they stand on top of that. They push their children. And you hear about the term generational wealth, right? That's a that's financially and that's, you know, that's um, in what you own and stuff. There's generational wealth, but there's also generational wealth in like emotional intelligence and understanding how to, how, you know, who you really are and what you're capable of and believing in yourself. And those are really, those qualities, you know, they're, they're priceless, they're priceless. If you can teach people, if you can teach your children to understand how to like really take full advantage of what they're capable of, how to dig deep, how to really understand that when they're in dark moments that they're gonna get through it. You know, those are the real, those are the real nuggets. If you can teach your children that. And I suppose um, through the last 20 odd years, I've been in a few dark places. Um, I know what it feels like, but I've always come through. And because I've always come through, I've always, I always know that there's always light at the end of each tunnel. And I'm, for all our men out there, that you, no matter where you're at at the moment, no matter where you're at, no matter you know what little hole you're sitting in, um, and things around you might seem flash and stuff, but inside you know yourself that you're in a little hole of darkness. Just know you're gonna come through, man. You're gonna come through. You're always gonna come through. But it takes an, it takes extra effort to really sort of have that little self-belief to know, yeah, I'm worth more. I can do better than this. I deserve more. I'm capable of more. And really feel fierce about it. And I've had that, you know, and it's not like a hunger, but it's a drive of like, um, I, can, I can do better, I can do better. Mike, you can do better. I literally sometimes say that to myself, you can do better, man, come on. What is this, what is this shit, man? Come on, you can do better, do better. And sound like a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, for real, sometimes I, when I'm driving and stuff, I like talk to myself <laughs> when I'm driving and like, and it's like a mantra to myself, you know, because I know, I know what I expect of myself. I know the standards that I expect for myself and I gotta be honest about those things. You gotta be honest about things with yourself as well. You gotta be really honest. You can't, don't lie to yourself. You know, if we got problems in certain areas, then like, then fix them. Identify those things and fix them. Talk to people that can fix them for you or help you fix them. Don't get caught up in thinking like, oh, oh, oh I sort that out next week, man. I'll sort that out next week. Come on, man, take it, face on, deal with it. You know, those are the things that are gonna advance our Pacific Island people is by solving problem by problem. You know, your life is like a series of complicated things, like a puzzle in front of you, but you gotta solve it one step at a time, one piece at a time. Just solve this piece, solve this piece today, solve the next one tomorrow, and just keep moving forward. And that's how you, that's how you, that's the betterment of like moving your family forward, you know? But your family's not gonna move forward if you don't move forward. Mm. You know, can't change the world until you change yourself. 
everything's got to start with yourself and then slowly bit by bit people start to see or start to feel it as well and it starts to spread out and that's where i think that it's really important to always respect everyone you know because you don't know where the people's journeys are you don't know where they're at in life and stuff i don't know you know but so i always got a lot of respect for everyone that i meet um, and always very humble as well because because I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know what that person went through last night. I don't know what he's gonna go through tonight. I don't know what's in his mind, what's eating away at him. It could be anything. It could be something of his wife. It could be something of his kid. He might have a kid in intensive care, you know? And there's always that other thing as well about, you have to understand about, I have this, we have this board at home. It's a grateful board. My wife came up with it and there's each of our names and each beside it, you write, um, we do it like once a week or a couple of times a week, what you're grateful for. And just that exercise alone starts to teach um, even taught me, but teaches our children, you know, the little things to be grateful for, you know, like if you're grateful for the roof over our heads, like, you know, when it's winter and it's raining and stuff, I always think like, man, imagine if there was like leaks in our house, man, that would suck because that costs money and stuff. We haven't got much money at the moment to repair those leaks. But we're lucky, man. We've got, there's no leaks at the moment. You know what I mean? Always being grateful for the small things, for opening the fridge and there's like, there's food in there. I've been in, I've been tired. There's been times when I've opened it and there's been like two pieces of pizza. I've been in, there's been moments like that, you know? Um, so being grateful for the small things is another thing that we try and teach our kids. Yeah. Man, that's cool. I can imagine it would be very hard. Like, like what, what, what kind of advice, or maybe even an example, huh, Mike? Because it seems like you've, you've, you've been, obviously you've, you've gone through your own hardships and your own struggles. Has it been like maybe an example of, of, of a time where you've been able to actually help someone who's been in that dark space? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, there was. There was a there was a guy there was a friend of mine, um, and I had met him for coffee. We had like a three hour coffee, and then I I went overseas, and while I was overseas, he messaged me and said, "Oh, let's uh, I need to, I need to catch up with you when you get back." And I was coming back the next week, and um, and while I was overseas, he took his own life. Um, so he was going through his own stuff, but. I hadn't, it's always hard when that happens, you know. I think that's the first time that it happened to me, someone that I knew and that had reached out and I was supposed to meet up with him again. And I still got his messages on my phone. Um, yeah, so I don't, <laughs> try to help him. I tried to help him, but I, I feel like I missed the boat. Yeah. You can take the horse to water, but you can't make that horse drink. Can't solve the world's problems. Um, and understanding that and accepting that is, um, is not, probably not an easy process, um, but learning to try and let that go is, um, I, Probably a lot of guys understand what that feels like, you know, because when that happens to someone that's around you, it takes almost like it takes a part of you with it. Um, and you've got to kind of recover yourself 
because you've still got your own life and your own family and stuff that you need to care about and think about. Um, so you've got to recover yourself for that because you owe them, you know, you owe them your life. And so the other way to flip it is like, you've got to celebrate my life every time I think about, have a memory of him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Jeez. Man, you're getting me all emotional now. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't think about it until you, until you, I've never thought about like, who have I specifically helped or tried to help, you know? Um, I've always got, I've always, I've always try and advise people I come across. I always try and like, um, and share a little bit with them that might encourage them, that might, that might be relevant to their journey um, daily when I can. It's because we can give, we can give, you know, like we, sometimes we can't give financially, but if, if you've got it in your mind, if you, if you know how to speak it out, then you can, you're almost obligated to share it, you know, especially with our fellow Pacific Island men, you know. Um, so that happens a lot. Like I, I come across a lot of people every day and stuff that I'll try and like, try and offer a little bit of hope, bit of light. And I don't know where they're at, you know, but um, until you specifically ask, I specifically thought about all the different situations that just jumped out at me. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing that, bro. Man. I know. Um, you know, you just sort of made me think about, um, you know, you, you talked earlier about the importance of teaching your kids to come through dark moments. And obviously, we can only do so much in terms of preparing ourselves to go through, um, you know, really heavy situations. Um, and it's not until we go through them that we realize just how difficult they are. And I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, as a father, how do you pass that on to your kids? How do you teach your kids to be resilient? Um, because obviously there's a part of us as fathers that just naturally we want to protect our children. But sometimes protecting them means allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them to go through really tough times. Um, yeah, I'm curious about that that aspect of fatherhood and just thinking about your experience going through really tough times and then wanting to pass that on but do it in a way that, yeah, is, is meaningful, purposeful and authentic for your kids. Don't spoil them. Don't spoil them, man. Don't, don't, you know, don't show your love through like exorbitant things, you know, like with food and with, um, with um, you know, gadgets and stuff. Don't spoil them. Don't just shower them with stuff like that all the time. Otherwise they start to expect it. And so the level changes, you know, because that all becomes a standard that they just expect things like that, you know. Um, me, me and my wife, we try to be real simple with them. Um, we try to... But I think the main thing is to talk to them. Talk to your children. Um, tell them about what it's like to be in a toxic relationship. Tell them that stuff. Tell them what the red flags are to watch out for. I wish somebody had told me. Nobody told me about that stuff. I never I never knew that women could be, I never thought that women could be manipulative. See, I never taught this until I started having relationships and I started seeing things happen. And I was like, whoa, this isn't, this is weird. Um, it's talking to your children and making them understand um, kind of guiding them through, you know, because yeah, as much as you can shelter your own children, as much as you can, um, as much as you can protect them, you know, or like keep them in cotton wool and stuff, the world is a nasty place, you know, and you can be a strong person, but unless you expose, you, you don't, I mean, you don't want to expose your children to what the nasty things are, but unless you tell them what the things are that can happen or that might happen or that happened to you or that, you know, that have happened in the past, then they start, they, only then can they start to understand or slightly comprehend what that might be like or what that feels like. Also, if you tell them what it feels like, what it was like for you, then it starts to make them slightly understand, even if they never went through it, 
you know um that's the only way i think that you can sort of um help help them understand uh, i think i think also making your children being grateful as well and making them understand what it is to be grateful for the different things that they already have in their life and appreciate the things they have but more than anything is keeping everything simple um and not having let them have too many physical things you know because physical materials can start to corrupt and start to um, disillusion a lot of our children as well because we're living in a world now where the internet is a necessi necessity you know it's not just a, not just an option you know remember when it first came out and people were like oh I'll never get on that Facebook <laughs> thing or stuff or yeah yeah or um, I guarantee you man a lot of our a lot of that generation now sit there and scroll on TikTok they just scroll through TikTok 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 because you know that's all sometimes they got the phone in front of them they just go through they just go through and that's the same generation that said, I'll never have anything to do with that social media stuff, you know, but the internet now has come through into our everyday lives and is such a required part that it's how you deal with that and your children as well. And also understanding that the internet exposes our children to a lot of material as well. So when we gave both our um, older children phones, um, we had a set of rules that they had to sign, a contract they had to sign. And every now and then we'll go through their phones and check it. Um, so monitoring, I think monitoring is quite important because man, the, the world out there, the world out there, there's so many things that could all of a sudden, you know, that your children, like you might have the nicest son or daughter at home, but you don't know what they're watching on their phone. So what they're mentally being exposed to, you know, because um, exposing yourself to stuff on social media or on the internet is almost the same as like making the choices in the food that you eat. You know what I mean? It's that diet, that diet of like, and it's not necessarily like a physical diet, but it's a mental diet of what you're putting in your mind, you know, and what those thoughts are. And it's interesting, eh? Because it, I hear that there's more and more studies that um, are saying that Instagram um, has led to now a couple of, is linked to a couple of teenage girl suicides here in New Zealand. Um, so it's becoming more and more thing because think about their little minds. Think about when you were 12, 11, and if this, you were exposed to this, like you can't even imagine being exposed to stuff that our children are now exposed to, you know? So how are they supposed to adapt, you know? And how are we supposed to parent that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can only parent it through like, through supporting your children, letting them know that they're loved, that you're always there for them. I'm always here for you. If you need anything, I'm here. If you want to talk about anything, I'm here, okay? Um, and letting them know as well, it's not real. Stuff that you're looking at is not real. The thoughts that they're making it, making you think you know, that stuff is, it's, your thoughts can be monsters. It can eat you alive. Unless you control them, you have to like harness them, you know, harness your thoughts. Like, and how do you, how do you tell that to an 11 year old or 12 year old? You know, so as much as you can love your children, I think it's keeping everything simple um, and always like, uh, and monitoring, you can't really, you try to monitor what they are exposed to. Um, don't let them go to bed if their phones, man. Put their phones out in the lounge when they go to bed. Cause you don't know, like this is how a lot of bullying and stuff happens at nighttime between kids and stuff. Put their phones out in the lounge, you know, don't let them go to bed because you don't know as well what they're gonna go through. Yeah, we live in a different world. We live in a different world. I remember the world before internet, I do, you know? <laughs> and I'm so glad <laughs> that there was no internet. <laughs> it's true, man, it's true. It, it, is, it's, it's a, it is, it's quite alarming, eh, Mike and, and Jay, because a lot of the, and you're right, I, I like what you, how you kind of, Described it, um, Mike, the analogy of that, you know, in terms of the, the, what's on the TikTok, what's on Instagram and so forth. It's got like a smorgasbord, eh? A smorgasbord of all these things that they can select. You have all the options. Yeah. You have all the options. You can, yeah. 
and nothing's off the table. You know, it's a crazy world. Yeah, you have all this. You have all this adult um, uh, content, and then and they're young. They're, they're young, and they're, they're scrolling through all the, all of the stuff. And you're right, their, their brain, their brain can't process a lot of the stuff that's, that they're viewing. And something like you were saying, it's not real. It's not real. And so um, we kind of kind of cool, kind of diving into your your acting career mm. because some of the people, are like, oh, it's not real. And so in terms of acting, how do you kind of navigate that and kind of talk to your kids about? Okay, this is just a role. I'm just playing a character. Mm. This is not real. This is you. Know, and then you could see it. Oh, is that you, Dad? Mm. Or, or do you allow your kids to, to see some of your your, your films? Is uh, me and my wife were asked to um, role play. This is for I think uh, Pacifica Proud. I think it's a production. But they were doing stuff for about domestic violence. And anyway, because we're both actors, they asked us to play the role of the domestic <laughs> violence couple. Yeah. Um, and we had never really acted before, um, but and this one is pretty violent, man, pretty violent. And he like, um, he, I grab her and I strangle up against the wall, you know. And when we're shooting at stuff, like emotions are right up here, you know, because we're working and we're working. That's we're, <laughs> we're working. So we're in, in our characters and stuff. We're making sure that we're both safe and everything's okay. But we're trying to go to the places where we know that this couple have obviously gone to emotionally, why they've ended up there physically, right? And we shoot the whole thing and then uh, then we watch it and we're like, oh man, it's cool because we never really worked with each other before, done a scene together. And my wife's like, our kids can never see this. And so she tells her dad, <laughs> she tells her dad, <laughs> look, we, um, this is what me and Mike did. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, it's good, it's good. So do not, do not show the kids. She said, yeah, don't worry. All right, anyway, we went, I think we went to the gym and we came back and they were, He's like, it's your mom and your dad oh. showing them, and they were like, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but our, our children, because our kids are in a house of um, two crazy actors, they they Maybe understand. Yeah, the kids, but they oh they they watched it. They were like a little bit shocked, I think. But then you got to explain to them like that's that's not that's not real. That's not real. We're just acting. And then you explain the whole thing about playing characters and characters are creations. Um, from a writer, a writer's written a character in a scenario, then the actor comes into it and the actor's got to inhabit that character and think the way the character thinks, you know, and make those choices that the character's choice has made those choices. But you, as an actor, you've got to navigate and how those characters make those choices. So that creates the, um, uh, you know, it makes the character three-dimensional rather than making the, making the character just being like a, so, you know, sometimes when you watch something and you're just like, oh, so he's a bad guy. It's a bad guy, but he's just a bad guy. But then sometimes when you watch, um, probably a good example is, um, remember um, Heath Ledger's Joker? I was literally yeah. thinking the yeah. same bad thing. Bad guy, but it's a lot of pain. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of, re there's a reason. There's a whole, there's a whole arc to how he got to that point, you know? Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, and that's art at work. That's, that's um, him as an actor building that, you know, and structuring that so that you as the audience, you know, understand it. But if you as the audience were just watching Batman and then the Joker comes along and he's evil and he's just bad, you know, but when you, when you as the actor have the ability to take a character and make it three dimensional, you know, so that you can see all aspects to why that person makes the decisions that they make, why they, they do those things that they do, you know, what really, what do they eat in the morning? You know, what, when they wake up in the morning, what do they think about? All those little things, they build the story behind behind the character and why the, how the character exists and how the character lives. So explaining that to your children, your children are like, whoa, it's trippy. And it is trippy, you know, but um, 
at drama school, yeah, drama school really helped me sort of hone that and understand. Um, it's almost, um, it's quite similar to psychology. It's stepping into someone else's shoes or a different mind space and trying to build that, you know, different levels. And then you've got to shade them. So when's, it, when's he light? When's he dark? You know, where's the moments at? All those little things, you know, it's tweaking and it's a, um, acting is a beautiful um, artwork when you see it, when you see someone go through different layers of emotions and stuff. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch, but it takes really good honed actors to be able to manipulate that and find that journey. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. That's good. It, it just sort of that's made me think man. about like how when writers are creating these characters, they can try and piece together like a logical backstory and and all these sort of things that make the character the character. Mm. Um, but then an actor can come in and it's sometimes there's some things I, I I'm assuming there are some new things that are only discovered when the actor gets into that character and like you said, make it three dimensional. Mm. Um, and you sort of just made me think about like Heath Ledger, for example, as the Joker. Like, I I imagine that his description, the description he was given of the Joker, was slightly different to the person he became mm-hmm. as the Joker. There were little nuances that he would have discovered, whether it be him bringing a part of himself to the role, or being so deep into the mindset that he was able to discover other nuances to the character. But is it? Kind of like that as an actor in terms of sometimes you discover new things. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's what the rehearsal floor is so important for when you're discovering, when you're rehearsing of the other actor and you're building the scene and you go again and you go again and you've brought your character and you've done your backstory of your character and how your character has come to exist and you're working with the other actor and you hope the other actor's done the same work as well and then you're on the floor and you're working it and what happens between you and the other actor is the magic, you know, that the audience will eventually get to see. But when you're rehearsing though, that's when different things might come up, different options might come up, different offers might come up, you know, like, oh, shall we try it angry or shall we try it happy or shall we try it lighter or shall we try it, you know, or what if they were in the room and it was really cold? How would these actors really act? You know, does it change the tempo of, you know, all those little things make them discover, the actors discover um, different, I suppose, different choices they can make or different, and they go on different journeys and that helps build the story. But it's all it all hinges on like whether those choices that they make are relevant to the story as a whole, because you're only there to serve the story. It's a lot of actors make it about themselves. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Wow, wow, that's a cool one. That's cool, Mike. Yeah, a lot of actors do. Yeah, they think, oh, it's about me, man. It's me time. Jeez. You know, like you're sitting there, you're blah blah blah. My turn, my line. Jeez. But have, have you come across a lot of actors like that when you obviously in the, in the industry, when you're acting and you're like. <laughs> And they kind of, you do your part and then they kind of do their part. And like, ooh, ooh. And you kind of, you know automatically, man, this guy's just, or this, or she's going to, she's going over the top now. What's, what's going on here? What, what, how do you deal with that? You talk to the director. <laughs> <laughs> Go through no, because if, if, you, if, you, if you deal with it directly with the other actor, it's going to create a clash. Yeah. But you say to the director, hey man, this guy that I'm dealing with, he's just like, he's not even listening to me. He's waiting for his turn just to say his line. And he's already thinking about, how am I, how am I gonna say the next line, man? Am I, gonna, am I gonna do it like blinking? Or am I gonna do that twitch? Or am I just gonna do it straight dead pan? Like, oh, my turn. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> I know them, I know them all. <laughs> what was the name? My agent's gonna call me tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, that's cracked up, man. Oh, man. That's a cool one, Mike. Because it is. Because I saw one of your, your recent um, 
feature films or one of the series. And we, I know we talked about it early on before um, shooting or before filming. And it was a dark character. Mm. Tenisa. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tenisa. And I was like, man, how do you... Because I'm thinking sometimes for, for some of these actors, when you talk about Heath Ledger, how do you actually turn off that character? Like, can I turn mm. it off and say, hey, I'm back to Mike now. Because mm. some of those roles can be... Can mm. be I can consuming. consuming. Yeah, consuming, yeah. Or consuming, yeah. You got you to gotta learn how to let it go. And some actors I do know struggle to like let things go. Um, but that's part, that's part of the job. That's why it's a job. And that's why it's a job for actors to be able to like find out how they step into the character's shoes and how they let it go. Everyone's different. Some people use what's called the method acting where they'll stay inside that character for the duration of filming or the duration of the show. You know, they'll stay in it though, you know, and um, there's pros and cons and some people know how to just let it go at the end of each day, walk home, you know, go home to their family and stuff and switch back. But I do think like when you do try to do that, you probably never fully let it go you know, when you do go home at night, cause you got to come back in the morning and switch back into it again. And, and so it can be quite challenging, um, but that is that's definitely one of the challenges of being an actor is being able to step in and step out of the character without it harming yourself too much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. interesting, man. Fascinating. Yeah, because if you think about it, they go from different actors, go from different roles to different roles, you know, and you got to let this one go and then go to another one that's really, and that was probably one of the reasons as well why I took that role on. So role's real, he's a nasty mm. guy, man. He's uh, He has six of girls and he films it secretly and then he puts it on the internet and makes people pay for it, right? Um, but I took it on, uh, one of the biggest reasons why I took it on is because it was, so far across from the other character that I had just played, I just finished playing um, John Olamu's dad um, in Jonah, and he was very different. He only spoke Tongan. He was um, generation older than me, uh, and I had great fun like um, exploring, making him three dimensional because the media at the time hadn't really um, brought him out in the best light. Uh, you know, the media. New Zealand media had basically just said he was a alcoholic that would beat Jonah. You know, um, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper than that because I know that um, a lot of our Pacific Islands, sometimes, you know, when our parents beat us, it comes from a different place, it comes from a place of love because they think that they're showing love. I get that, I understand that. If you can show that, you know, if you can show that like, if you can show that where it comes from, that place of love, then that all of a sudden gets the audience seeing him in a different light. Like, oh, you know, because sometimes it's all people know. Yeah, and you can't, you can't change what people know. If this is what they know, then this is what they know. And so building that, you know, was quite a beautiful process of building that character. And he only spoke Tongan, which I loved. You know, I could just operate the whole, all of the scenes and stuff in Tongan and free flow and stuff and talk to directors about maybe he'd say this or maybe he'd eat like um, on Sunday night, he'd eat like a sandwich of corned beef in it, you know, come to the, in a singlet and dupendal to the front door. You know, all those things that I knew from growing up, I could incorporate that into this guy. And then going across all the other way to over here, which is like a really rich guy that lived in an apartment on K Road that, you know, that was really vain, um, was driven by his vanity and his um, his lust for himself and also for women and making money off that, you know, was a quite a good contrast. And yeah, so I enjoyed stepping out of that and stepping into this. Cause it's, a, it's you, as an actor, um, you really want to show off your versatility, the most thing, you know, because if you can show off your versatility, then it, as an actor, it probably ensures that you get more jobs, but, um, not here in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it sort of made yeah. me think, does like being, and this might be a bit of a left field question, but does being strongly connected to your identity and knowing who you are, 
strengthen you as an actor? Like, does it help you as an actor? Yeah, it, uh, I, I really believe so, yeah. Because I'm never really searching for myself. You know, I never really have the, uh, I know a lot of artists, not just actors, go through moments where they're like, who am I? Who am I really? You know, and I hear that, I hear that. And I, but that's never been me. You know, I've always kind of known who I am and and what my sort of core beliefs are. Um, and that's always, because I've sort of got that sort of, they're like, um, it's like roots down into the ground for me, you know. And from there, I can basically branch, my branches can go any sort of which way, but my roots are deep and strong and I know exactly where I'm at and who I, who I am. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Mm, man. So cool. It sort of made me think about um, you know, you mentioned versatility before, and mm. um, we you know uh, at least I'm assuming um that sometimes it must play on actors' minds in terms of being typecast, mm. um, and so the importance of like versatility in terms of roles and things like that. Um, are there any sort of roles that you know you'd be like, oh, that'd be really cool to do, like some dream roles that you'd like to try? Um, I, I imagine for. Pacific actors that you get a lot of roles in terms of being a Pacific person, but with, are there any roles outside of being a Pacific person that you're like, you know, I'd like to do that. I think of like The Rock, who's recently playing Black Adam, mm. who's like Egyptian heritage in the comics, um, and he's been able to make this role and, and other roles his. Um, mm. Yeah, are there any ones that sort of come to mind for yourself? No, nah, not so much, eh? Not so much um, uh, because any role is, I suppose, a challenge in itself, you know, and I respect uh, each role as it comes up for its own challenge because its own, um, you know, I've never had an amazing drive or pull to be like a superhero or anything. I've never, you know, but um, uh, but to be, probably because I'm Tongan, I have um, probably more of a, a calling or a, a feeling for like any, to for Tongan roles, you know, because it's what I know, it's where my heart is at, you know, it's where my, where my core's at. Um, but aside from that, I don't have any sort of, no, I don't, there isn't no crazy role out there that I've always really wanted to play. Um, yeah, I think um, probably the most thing is, is just respecting each role as it comes up. Whether the, whatever the audience thinks about the characters, that's up to the audience, you know, but you as an actor can never judge what that character is. You can never, well, the moment you start to judge what the character is, you've kind of, you lost your way already because, because you've already started to make decisions about or you know about who that character is and you're about to play that person so how can you it's like you um finding the flaws within yourself and being like oh but no no he's too fat he's too fat all this is happening because he's too fat well that sort of stops the growth you know mm -hmm. for like being able to step into and understand why why is he like that what happened to him you know why does he see the world like that you know or or how is he how has he come to this place today you know so yeah, so no, I haven't had any aspirations to play any sort of crazy character. I respect all roles as they come up. Cool. Yeah. Um, also here in New Zealand, because there's, there's um, it's hard to find consistent work as an actor. It's one of the hardest things is to be able to find consistent work as an actor and trying to support your family as an actor, that ain't gonna happen. You know what I mean? Unless you're working on something that's really secure, like Shorten Street, or unless you're like a, unless you're really, and there are many, a few, quite a few talented, um, people that know how, are versatile enough to be able to go from job to job to job to job. Um, but I was never blessed enough to be able to do that. So because of that, I've always been able to like do different things on the side, you know, and claw my way to like try and pay my family's rent, my family's mortgage, you know, figure out different ways. It's always forced me to be even more versatile in real life. Yeah. That's cool. cool. That's cool, man. Oh, man. I've got one other thought. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, it man. came to mind as you're talking about. I, I'm a big believer in like 
the the life uh, the journey that life takes you on is yeah. everything is for a reason mm. and so I'm curious about has there ever been a role where like you know how you're you've got the all these other side hustles these other mm. um, opportunities that you've done outside of acting have you ever found that you've borrowed skills from those different roles and it's actually helped you in a role oh you mean have I borrowed different skills from life things yeah yeah that's helped me in um Man, you, for firstly, your phrase, like everything happens for a reason. It's so true. It's so true. All the different side hustle stuff that I do, they've all happened for a reason, you know? And I can't necessarily think of like an actual acting role where like that's contributed to it. But in reverse, um, I can see that there are so many other things that happened. Um, that happened. If I didn't do the fencing job, I wouldn't have been traveling. If I wasn't traveling, I wouldn't be listening to podcasts. If I wasn't traveling, listening to podcasts, I wouldn't have started my own podcast. If I hadn't started my own podcast, I would never have done podcasts, okay? And I never would have met Ruben. When I met Ruben, we had a chat about buying a house. If I hadn't done that podcast with Ruben, I never would have met Don Ha. If I had never met Don Ha, Don Ha would never would have um, helped me get my license, made me a real estate agent. All connected. Everything's all connected. So following your heart, following your passion, following your drive, um, it's such an important thing. If you don't do it, you're doing yourself a disservice and you don't know where each path is gonna go. Now, being brave to make those decisions, to make those choices, to go on those paths, just, man, you gotta be brave. It's not easy. It's not easy to step out of your comfort zone and be like, do you know what? I could try real estate. I could try real estate. <laughs> what? Aren't you an actor? Aren't you a trainer? Don't you sell fencing? Real estate now? You know, like, but you have to be brave. You don't know where that path's gonna go. So you gotta take that leap. And I don't know where it comes from, but I've always had that confidence in myself to be like, you know, I'm gonna give that a go. I'm gonna give podcasting a go. I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna do all my research into the equipment, into the mics, into the light, into the cameras, into the editing. I'm gonna teach myself all the stuff. I'm gonna do it by myself. Well, with my wife, obviously. Um, but. Yeah, everything is interconnected. Your whole life is, you know, there's reasons for everything, how, how everything happens, how it all. And that's that's where it's so important to always remember that if you're in a dark place, it's you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason, man, because something else is going to happen. Something's going to happen. You're going to come out of it. You're going to come through it and you're going to look back and realize, I went through that because I needed to know about this. If I hadn't gone through all the dark places and stuff that I've been through, it wouldn't make me the father and the husband that I am today. I'd still be in search of something, I don't know, something else that I feel was going to complete me, you know, or something that, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, not so much my friends, but people I know um, that are still continually searching for something, you know, and are probably not the most pleasant people to be around because they haven't found, they're not complete within themselves. So they're still sort of searching, trying to find something. They don't know what it is, you know. Um, yeah. You've had a lot of interesting guests on here. I've listened to a few of these podcasts. You guys do really well, man. Yeah. I love the contrast of different men that come and sit in the seat and their different points of view, you know, because not all, and some of them say it, you're not going to agree with my point of view. And that right. Some of them, I don't agree with their point of view. I don't agree at all, you know, but that's the beauty of running a podcast is that people have time to like get their point across. But I, there was one podcast that stood out to me. There was a guy that was talking about, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he was talking, he was very, very religious and he was very um, strong about it, you know, and I disagreed with what he was saying because because of my own point of view and that everything's much more broader spectrum and uh, 
and you come at you come at your life. You should come at your life from a you know. I just I think that you should come at your life being more humble and respecting everyone, no matter what their religion, no matter you know. It doesn't matter whether they're um, whether they are. What's that religion? The headscarves. Um, Muslim, Muslim, Muslim. Whether you're Muslim or whether you're Hindu or whether you're Christian or whether you're Mormon or whether you're, doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is the person that's in front of you and their heart and how they treat you, I think. Yeah. Uh, man, that's, Dogo, man, that's so inspiring. <laughs> that, you, you are, you, like, like I said early on when we introduced you, you're highly motivated. It really is. It's, you're really highly mm. motivated. I love the fact that you say, hey, it's not about judging people. You respect everyone. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful because, and it, and that's what it is. We hope that whoever comes on the table, I'm like, and regardless of what they they share and their beliefs and their core beliefs, whatever it is, that everyone has a has a, a feel safe, feel safe to kind of speak their mind, yeah. and, and, be, and be themselves, be authentic. Otherwise, you, like you're saying, you're you're doing a disservice uh, for yourself, and not only, not only for yourself, but, but others around you. And that's that's so interesting, Mike, because. The, you're, you're an actor, the real estate, all those things that you're, you're juggling, and you're saying that all those things, if those things didn't happen, yeah. then I, I wouldn't be, in, be, you wouldn't be in this this place. Because I think, how do you do that? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, acting, how did, how did you go from real estate to selling fencing? How, how did that all connect? And when you were sharing that, with you, Ruben, connecting all that kind of, connecting the dots for us, I was like, wow. Yeah. And so, and you, and still yet, and you talk about, you, you're confident, you're so confident, and then, I love it. I love it that you're unlocking this this, this mentality of because we, we have a lot of people have come on on the table and it's cool. Uh, that's, that's cool what they what they believe in and what they say and what they share. And we talk about humility, but you you've taken that to to a whole new level in terms of it's cool to be be humble, but also it's cool to be to to stand out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you kind of have to. I mean, you don't have to stand out. But you have to have that ability to be able to respect everyone in their journey. Because if you can't do that, then you can't relate to anyone, you know. And and most people, what they're craving in life today, you know, because we're all so stuck behind our screens and stuff, stuck behind our phones, is for another human to relate to us and where we're at and how we're feeling, you know. Um, it's never ending though. It doesn't end here. It doesn't, you know, like we sit here today and we talk, this is the great thing about podcasts. We sit here today and we talk about my journey, where I'm at right now. But if we sat down another year with anyone, the journey's different. My journey's different. I'm at a different place, you know? So it's ever evolving. And as it evolves though, like the biggest thing I can always put back into myself is like, so now you're up against this. How do you deal with this now, Michael? Because problems always, you know, they pop up all the time. How do you deal with this now? What have you learned so far in your 39 years to look at this now and try and dismantle it and figure this problem out? You know what I mean? And still, like, still to this day, I still go through times where I'm down, times where I don't know how to get out of things. I gotta stop, breathe, reevaluate, reconfigure it, you know, take it apart, put it back together again, breathe, take time out, figure out how to look after myself, how to think about the problem from a different different angle, solve it, go again. It's ever evolving. You're gonna have different a different set of problems tomorrow to what you had today, you know? But hopefully what you learned today can help you attack the set of problems tomorrow. Yeah, but podcasting is really cool because you hear different points of view from different people. So even as you sit there and like and interview people and ask people questions and stuff, you yourself are like 
like sponges that are taking on different little bits from different people, you know. And so altogether, it, it, um, your um, in, your um, intellectual um, capability of like hearing different points of view from different walks of life, you know, really increases. So yeah, I know you guys are yeah. sitting there really quiet, but I know that there's like a, oh, man. a mountain it's, of like- We are, we are. <laughs> it's, just, it's just tuning, Mike. It's like, <laughs> it's like, man, this guy, man, like, man you're, you're messing with my mind, man, Mike. That's <laughs> absolutely my favorite part about this. Is Podcasting, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just the learning. It's like, yes. I always take something away and I'm like, I can, what can I apply to my life? And obviously not everything sticks, but it's, you know, you just pick what works for you at this moment in time. Mm. Because like you said, you know, a month from now, even a week from now, mm. you know, we're different, we grow. And so our approach to life and the problems changes as well. And so I'm really grateful that yeah, we have this yeah. opportunity to learn from everyone that sits on the table with us. Mm. It is, because the, the biggest biggest thing, the biggest learning right now for me, um, Mike, you've been sharing is the service. And I think you know, the guys who come on or whoever comes on the table and they share, you know, it'll be a disservice to not kind of go, oh, man, okay, I, I get I get that. I, I understand that. And I understand where they're coming from. And for for us, AJ, and even for Brad and, and Charles, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Jay, but it'll be a disservice if we don't take on board the, the richness that people share on the table. Mm. You know, we can, be, we can see it. We can do a podcast. And, oh, that's great. And you're like, oh, I'll take that on board and not do it. Mm. It would be AJ. It would be mm. such a disservice. Like, oh man, Mike's seen some some nuggets here. And like, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that and, not, and never apply it. Uh, I think for those, even for those who are watching and listening, it would be such a disservice to not like, okay, take on board what Mike's saying and say, man, and I'll do it. I think a lot of it's got to do with, I don't know what it is, Mike or Jay. Why is it that sometimes we, we hear some, some great things, really encouraging things, really inspiring um, things, and yet we don't apply it or we don't kind of, okay, let's, let's do this or, or activate it. Why, why is that? Something comes to mind in terms of, I think about some um, in my final year of primary school teaching. I'll actually be teaching at a oh, school in Papakura. Awesome. Yeah, oh, intermediate cool. um, out in Papakura. Um, and it's something that I think about with the kids is like, the kids are always so scared to try new things. And I think it's because there's something in them that some somewhere, some something's been programmed in them to either be perfect or not try at all. There's no middle ground. It's hard for them to see a middle ground. And so I think sometimes as men, or at least maybe from my own experience, there sometimes is a fear of you want to get it right the first time. Right. Um, and so sometimes that just- it's Fear of failure. Yeah, mm. exactly. Fear of failure and being judged. Yeah, and especially at that age, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their friends and stuff. They're like, oh, shame, shame, yeah, you. Yeah. you know, and it's that fear of like, but it holds our own people back mm. because, but I understand it, you know, I understand because, um, because it's almost like the tall poppy syndrome. The person that reaches out, it's the person that's like, you know, almost cut off or like discriminated against or, you know, called names. But I listened to something really interesting. Um, can't remember who the guy was. But it's he said that um, to break through the glass ceiling, you're gonna get cut. Glass ceiling's there for a purpose because no one else has gone through it before. But if you're gonna be the one that's gonna break through, it's gonna cut you. You're gonna hurt. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be an easy process. It's not gonna be a smooth process to break through that glass ceiling. But when you do, you are the first. You know. So if you're always looking to challenge yourself, if you're always looking to like never be comfortable, you know what's next. You know. Not so much, not, I'm not trying to say that that should be an obsession, but if you're always pushing yourself to be better than you were yesterday, you're gonna get somewhere. You're definitely gonna get somewhere. 
a lot of the high performance people that I know, a lot of them Pacific Island people, uh, they have one thing in common. And I found this out when I talked to a lot of them and I, th I really thought about the conversations we'd have and stuff. The one thing that they have in common is a work ethic, work ethic, you know? They do the things they do, little habit, habitual things that they would do, but they would do them repetitively, even if they didn't want to. Their work ethic, their ability to get up and get it done all the time, you know, consistently becomes a habit. And that habit builds and builds and builds. And so it becomes just their normal, their standard, their work ethic that would separate them from the pack, make them special, you know, make them be bigger achievers because what they had taken as small little, you know, small little habits that they had built to being into their work ethic was now a standard that was way above other people's normal standard. And if they held them, they held themselves to it all the time, that consistency put them into high performance and put them into being able to achieve so much more because they expected so much more from themselves. Yeah. Oh man. And it just makes me wonder, um, Jay and, and Mike, because like you know, we could be sharing stuff, some stuff on, on, on the podcast, Mike, and, and, and most of the speaker or most of the guest, and some, there's some nuggets there. And is it because of that? Is it because sometimes like, oh, that sounds great. I love what Mike is saying. It's so encouraging, so inspiring. But, oh. And then, yeah, we, we got all these thoughts, failure, whatever it is, mistakes, I don't want to make, make any mistakes. But could it be, and just so you can you, you agree or disagree, could it be because sometimes we're just lazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 100% man, <laughs> lazy. 100%, 100%. Yeah, it's, you know, you can't, like I said before about looking in the mirror at yourself, you gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta be honest with like, what am I not doing right? You know, what am I, what am I falling down on here? You know, and if it's literally just being lazy, if you're, why am I being lazy? You know, like I really wanna achieve this thing, but I just, I just can't, I, just, I can't get up at like 5 a.m. or I can't get up at 5.30 to like, I know I've only got like, I've got a really busy day and I've only got like maybe half an hour, an hour that I could possibly productively use towards this bigger dream of mine. Why am I not doing that? Oh, maybe because I'm up too late or maybe because for whatever reason, then you start to work backwards. But 100%, man, 100%, being lazy is one of the biggest contributors, like it's one of the biggest reasons why we never get shit done. You know, but if you start to set in place little goals, you know, like, why am I not losing weight? You know, is it because the food I'm eating is because I'm not exercising enough? Why? Start to backtrack it. You know, if you need to work out more, go for a walk. Start small. You don't have to be a crossfitting champion. <laughs> Starts, go for a walk. Go for a walk. The walk, two weeks later, turns into a little jog. The jog turns into a run. You do like maybe just 2K. Start with 2K. You bring it up, take it up to 5K. Small steps, incremental steps. You know, all these little things as humans, man, as humans, all these little things, they build into something, but they don't happen if you don't start. Until you start, then you're gonna always be, you're gonna be the same place you are now. 10 years rolls by really fast. In 10 years, you're still looking at yourself going, man, 10 years ago, I had this thing like, I was gonna start a podcast. Man, I wonder what would happen if I'd done that. Yeah. yeah, that's sad, that is sad. Yeah. Like, but that's 10 so years, like, time rolls does, so fast, yeah. it rolls so yeah. fast. And like, you may think that five years sounds like a long time and stuff, right? It sounds like a long time because, you know, because we feel like the world moves slow. In reality, it's actually really minuscule in the bigger perspective, and the bigger perspective of time. Think about dinosaurs and stuff, right? Five years is a very, very short time. So like, if there's things that you wanna achieve, start working towards them, start the smaller steps towards them. If you don't start, you're never, you're never gonna get there. 
you know, or you're never going to get close to it. Or you're never going to know what it's going to feel like. As a father, I know that it's really important for your children to watch you try. If your children don't watch you try, you're going to expect them to try. One of the hardest things is like standing on the sideline uh, at kids rugby games and hearing the parents like go, go mental at some of the kids. Like, Bro, why? It's his game, man. Like you had your time, just watch, oh, just watch, man. you know, watch your kid, like support your kid and stuff. But the shame and stuff you see some of the kids feel on that field, that's not cool, man. You know, like he's, he's trying to have fun and you're, and you're like almost losing your shit over like him missing a tackle or something. Get up, son, get up, come on. Next one, next one, good effort. That's support though, that's invaluable, you know. Bro, man, you spe you're speaking facts, man. I feel convicted now because I, I, I'm, one of, I'm one of those dads on the side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing? But it is, it's, it's so true. It's so detrimental when we kind of do that to our own kids. And the thing that kind of gets me even while we're speaking, um, Jay and, and Mike, is that we have so much expectation on our kids. We expect them to do this and that. And you're right, because our sons could be, our, our sons could be looking at us and going, you expect so much from me, dad, but what are you doing? You're not an all black. Why yeah, are you giving? What, are you, what are you doing? And I, I, I when you when you when you're sharing this, oh my gosh, because I, I, I do the same thing to myself. Like, oh, you gotta do this, train hard, do this. And I don't know. Maybe my son. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. He's probably talking to his mom, but he's probably sometimes he must be saying, "Man, that's great, Dad. You expect so much from me, but I also expect so much from you too." Yeah, but also like when he's out on that field. He's just trying to impress you. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to impress you. You know, like he's he's playing for you. You know, like he's so proud that you're there. You're watching him, and oh, my dad's here. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard. I'm gonna go hard on this one, and he might miss a tackle or something. But if you drop dead tomorrow, if a bus hit you tomorrow, what's he gonna remember? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I never really made my dad. Like my dad always thought I sucked at rugby. I'm not trying to use you as an example or anything. But life is life is yeah. life is today. Life is here. Life is now. If your children yeah. never know how you feel, or you know, like really think about it. like you could be gone tomorrow. What have you What have you left behind? Or what have you really left behind? You know what What have you really built? What are you really leaving behind? We work. Out, we get so caught up, especially here in Auckland, in like a rat race of trying to pay the mortgage, trying to pay the bill, trying to keep food on the table. We're in inflation at the moment. It's even worse. Mm. You know, we get so caught up in all this stuff. As males, as men, as the providers, it can be so much going on in your minds that you forget to look after the people that love you the most, your wives and your children that are always there. If you drop dead tomorrow, what have you left? What have you really left? Yeah, he was great. He's, my dad worked really hard and stuff, you know, and um, really respect him. Um, yeah. Um, ah, man, I wish he had taught me like how to maybe change nappies or, you know, like... Um, just the small basics or how to, how to uh, maybe if he took some time to help me learn how to drive the car. Um, your life is here, it's now, it's today. You gotta live it, you gotta live it. You can't get too caught up in this rat race of life. Work is still gonna be there tomorrow. Still gonna be there tomorrow. Take a sick day. I mean, I hope my boss is watching. <laughs> no, but take a, take a sick day. Take a time every now and then, just take a day out. Be present with the ones that you love. You can't, money's still gonna be there tomorrow to be made. That's that's guaranteed. Money's still gonna be there tomorrow to be gained. The time though, the time will not be. The school holidays that have just gone, right? Like that's, there's days that you can take a day off. You can take a couple of days off to spend with your children because they're at home. You can spend that time with them. You don't have to work the whole time. You know what I mean? 
your life is your life is your life. It's in your hands. It's there for you to enjoy. It's not there for you to suffer. You know, you have to love it. I have to remind myself. I'd, I'd sit here like I'm preaching about this stuff, right? I got to remind myself the same stuff. My wife has to remind me the same stuff as well. I get it. Get so caught up in like all these different deals and stuff and different sales and stuff. And I got to I got to get this done by this deadline. I get it, you know. But at the same time, all that stuff, man, doesn't exist without what's in my house, what's in my home, you know, because that's what I really care about. That's the stuff that really matters. To me, it does. Other people, other people have different drivers. Other people have different motivations. So not everyone's the same. This won't apply to everyone. But this is how I feel. It's good, man. That's so good. So rich, um, Mike. Oh, do you want to add anything, um, Jay? It just helped me help wow. remind me about the importance of like being deliberate with your time, with yeah. your action, um, and, and not sort of leaving it up to chance. Um, and speaking of time, you know, when we're talking about like how fast time goes by, I'm sure as a parent, if you look back at how fast your kids have grown, that's always mm. my indicator to yeah. me of like how fast time goes by is look how fast they've grown. One minute you're holding them and they're like the length of your forearm. And then the next minute they're taller running off to school yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on yeah. their my own. My son's taller than me. Yeah. And I can still remember, I can still remember him being a baby, being a child. And now he's like six foot two. He's taller than me. And where did the time go, you know? And what did I do with that time? And was I a good dad during that time? Yes and no, you know, like how accountable was I? Was I everything that I had wanted to be as a dad in that time? You know, like one of my biggest problems that I, that I go through at the moment, one of the biggest challenges for me is my patience with my children. Believe it or not, after everything that I've spoken about, it's my patience with my children. I try to backtrack it, like why am I so impatient, you know? have a little boy that just turned five, you know, but because there's so many kids and because I've been doing it for so many years now that it starts to wear thin, your patience starts to wear thin because you feel like you've been saying the same stuff all these years, you know, have a shower now, get out now, put your pajamas on now. You know, you feel like you've been saying the same stuff over and over and over and over and over. But I was talking to my wife about it and I was like, I think, I think sometimes I let my life get in the way of like my patience with my children you know, and because I talk about always trying to better yourself, that's part of me that I need to always work on is my patience with my with my children. Because, man, I have moments where I'm just like, man, I'm, this dad gig, I'm over it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it today. I quit today. Done. Enough. You know, 14, 15 years is enough. I don't want to do it anymore. These kids are driving me crazy. They never listened. They're stupid. And then I'm like, Mike, where'd that come from? You know, where'd I come from? Why are you, why are you like that today? Then you got to backtrack it. Like, why are you not looking after yourself? You're a leader here. You're a father here. You're a parent. You know, do better, man. Do better. What's going on? Why are you not looking after yourself to suddenly take it out on the people that you love the most, that you fight the hardest for? You're taking it out on them. You know, your impatience and stuff with them. You know, it's really being real with yourself and being honest with yourself about where you're falling down. Because only when you start doing those things, when you're like, for real, when you start to be honest with yourself, you start to really advance even further in life. You know, we don't have much time on earth as humans, you know, but we do have an ability to like push the envelope as far as we can and let our children see that hopefully they can push it a bit further than their children. That's how you start a legacy. <laughs> mm, that's so true, man. That's so true. Oh man, my Lord lover, dog old man. This just this been a raw. Um, I guess if if anything, just you really have spoken to me. 
I really you know, just some of the things you you've been sharing, and and you're right. You're absolutely right in terms of you know we can go out there and 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 spread love and and respect to other people, and we do that on a, on a daily basis. All, all of us we go out there, we we treat people with respect, mm. and we love on them and all that kind of stuff. But it's quite pointless if we do that outside the four walls and we come back home. Mm. And we give so, so little to, to our, 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 our kainga, our family, or our, our aingas. Um, but I love the your, your, I love, I love your, your your honesty because you could have just said that and, and not mentioned your, your your son and what yeah and even how you felt like oh I'm, I'm over this gig yeah uh, but uh, it's, it is there 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 are times as, as as fathers and there will be times even more times eh, Mike you'll be like man I don't want to do this like yeah uh, I don't know what's going on in here and all that kind of stuff but to have the the resilience to Keep pushing through and realizing. I think, if anything, admitting, being honest, wholeheartedly honest with ourselves. And you, I, I agree. When you're truly honest with yourself, you see things happen. And you, and 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 being positive about who you are. We had um, Docs Valley. Uh, you, you know, Docs, yeah, Docs Valley. He and one of the things that really kind of helped me in terms of of growth and evolving was his positivity. He said, "Just be positive." He watched um. Oh, Nightingale, one of the something on, on YouTube, a clip on YouTube. And he said that he switched his mindset. He switched his mindset. Everything, he, a lot of the negativity that he was facing, and a lot of the mental gymnastics that he was facing. He he listened to this this um this clip on YouTube, and he said, and it was all about positivity, the power of positivity. And I know people are like, oh yeah, whatever, but he, for him, it was it rang true for him, and he said. When he was able to stop being negative, stop talking about all the rubbish that was happening for him, and switch mm. it and say, "Hey, I need to look at it in a different perspective or a different way," he started to see things evolve for the for the better. Mm. And um, and what you're doing is uh, it's cool. It's so cool. I love the the, the versatil- uh, versatility, but um, but the, the learnings, the learnings that you've you've kind of gained or garnered from all the things that you've done, and you're sharing it with us. Yeah, uh, Toxvale is a hundred percent right. You know, like um, all the no's that you get, you know, there are opportunities. You don't know it, and it may not feel like it, but if you start to see them as opportunities, there's a reason why that's a no. Why is it a no? Because something else is opening. They say that when, you know, when one door closes, another door opens somewhere. It just takes you a little bit longer to find where that door is that open, but you will find it. Um, being positive is so important, so important because it changes. You start to you start to stop being ungrateful for the things that you already have. And you start to see everything in a positive light, understanding that oh, gas in my car, you know, we don't live in a, a world where the oxygen is harmful with the air. We can breathe the air. You know what I mean? There's all there's so many things around you that you take for granted. I think I'm living in New Zealand in a Western world. Um, there's many things, you know. I heard someone else talk on your podcast as well about um, not having power for a day or a night, and what that suddenly meant for the household realizing that we all rely on the internet, that our washing machines and everything relies on power. But there are parts of this world that don't have power. You know, we have power. We switch something on, we turn a tap on, water goes, you know, like when did we stop being grateful for these things and understanding that human race has brought us to this point where we have all these things readily available that we can do. However, we have become too comfortable as a race that, to start appreciating how far the challenges that have brought us to this point, you know, and we start to get too comfortable, then we start to mentally get into our own gymnastics. You know, I think though, I think though that for me, working out is quite a key thing for me. Um, And when I work out, it puts me into a 
place that is where I'm at peace with myself. I find an inner peace. And I hadn't, I didn't find that probably about 10 years ago. I started realizing that working out was um, more than a physical thing for me. It was a mental thing. When I first started working out, I'd work out and cry. Tears coming down. Yeah, it put me into like a place that where the, um, the tough cardio would really challenge me. And I would think of the situation that I was in at the time and I want to push past, push past. And I'd be crying. <laughs> be crying while I was working out. It was like an emotional, cathartic experience. But it eventually turned me into a trainer because I became comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, um, I went through a time where I was a solo parent, solo parent to a three-year-old and a one-year-old. They were very young. Um, and it was a tough time. I didn't have a car. Um, and Nora, my wife, um, she had loaned me her car and stuff. But it's not easy being a solo parent. It's not easy being a. It's not easy being a male solo parent. Being a solo father is something else. Because being a solo father, um, I thought going through it that I was like, man, I, I just don't think I've got the patience that a solo mum would have had. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's how I thought. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I thought naturally as a guy, you know, it's just harder to find that patience with my children, even though I am the sole provider here right now. I thought that women probably do it better. I don't know. Um, but that's sort of when I started working out and started realizing the power of like moving your body, sweating and pushing yourself beyond your limitations, not just physically, but mentally as, as well. So once you start to push your body beyond its physical abilities that you think it's able, your mind follows. So it's like, I think Les Mills has that saying, hey, free the body, the mind will, will follow. Oh. Yeah, that's, I think that's where that comes from. But it's, it's a true, it's pretty true. Once you start to push your body beyond its limitations and when you're gasping for air, you think this is the end of the world. I can't breathe anymore. I'm done. You push yourself a little bit further. Your mind gets used to that exercise as well. Your mind gets cornered. It'll push itself a little bit further. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You said you mentioned that. We just talked about it early on tonight. Hey, I'm Brad. We were talking about David, you know, David Coggins, uh, David Coggins, uh, the Navy yes. SEAL, yeah, the the the, the crazy. Um, just, I, I yeah, used him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we talked about it and we said, hey, just like you were saying, you, if you push, if your body kind of pushes, pushes itself and then the mind follows. Um, and obviously, we, I, I, can, I guess we can all agree that, that exercise and healthy, being healthy is, is really good for our, our mental wellness. How important in terms of, for most of those guys, men who are like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm really stuck. I'm not too sure if exercise is going to help me. But if you could tell them, tell them, or, or just give them some advice, like, hey, and I, it works. It really works. Get it up. does. Yeah, it's you got to start small. You got to be realistic as well. You know, you got you really got to be realistic about what works for you. But you have to start. You know, like I said before, like if it's even if it's just starting a little walk, and it's something that you start to build into into your daily routine, whether you just do it at nighttime for half an hour. But see, this is where it's different. This is where you do it no matter what. No matter what, you don't make any excuses. You say, oh, too busy, man. Like uh, too busy tonight. Uh, I've got to get the kids dinner. We're running behind on time and stuff. Oh, I'll, I'll, do, um, I'll do an hour tomorrow rather than a half an hour. No, it's that consistency. It's that, you know, you set something for yourself because for yourself as well, it's setting goals that you're not going to back down from. It's setting little things for yourself that you that you there's no um there's no compromise you have to get it done so even if it's just a small walk you know start with that or even if it's just going to the gym once a day or just three times a week you set these little things but you stick by them 
you know and it's really important for yourself to stick by them because if you don't stick by them then you start to you're lying to yourself you know if you like if you lie to yourself about one time what else you gonna lie to yourself about and then you start to set different standards for yourself um the standards that you walk past are the standards that you accept do you know what i mean by that i mean that like if you accept racism here in this room right now you're going to accept that you don't sit up and say something about it you're going to accept that that's your new standard the standards that you walk past are the standards that you accept so if you accept yourself you know like um if you accept yourself not doing what you told yourself you would do then what's to stop you doing the same thing tomorrow the day after that the day after that you're never going to get anywhere you got to set little things for yourself you got to be consistent consistent for yourself it's good and it's a good mental exercise for yourself as well and you're doing it because it's self-care as well you know it doesn't have to be a walk it can be like if some people everyone's different it could be like art you know it could be meditation it could be it could be anything but you got to start somewhere and you got to be accountable to yourself you gotta look at the man in the mirror and you got to own up to him and you got to be real with him and if you have like see the good thing about being alive being human is if you make a mistake today, you wake up tomorrow, look at that same guy and go, okay, I stuffed up the diet plan yesterday. Today we can start again. And you can, you can start again, you know. <laughs> just because you failed once doesn't mean you're a failure. Just because, you know, just because you dropped the ball last week doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you get another chance to try again, all right? You learned from what happened. It was a mistake. Okay, accept that. Let's move forward. New day, new goals. Let's go. Man, oh man, oh. I feel like you're speaking to my soul. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting one. Eh? It just made me really reflect on because obviously that's something that I've struggled with. I feel like my weight's like going right. up and down. It's been a real seesaw thing. And since I moved back to Auckland, I think the last time I was healthy was back in Wellington. That was like the year my daughter was born, 2019. Um, and since I've been up here, I've I don't know. I've sort of bounced around to different places trying to find. The place that feels right. Yeah. Um, and then when it hasn't worked out that way, I'm just like, oh, oh well, like there's nothing. I'll just resort to blaming my environment. I live in Otara, fast food's cheap, it's all around me. Oh well, like poor like pity party almost. And um there's something there that's like fairly recently, and this just adds on to it, but it's just dawned on me recently that it's all a mental thing. Like I really need to unpack some of these things and then just just jump in somewhere and give myself some time to feel a sense of belonging or like recently it's been trying to find a hobby that I can fall in love with that will just, my mind won't even think about the exercising part of it, but I'll just be having fun. Mm. Um, and so that's, sort of where I'm at in the journey now. Mm. I haven't found what that is yet, but it's still a bit of discovery for me. And how can I bring my family on that journey with me? Because in all the times I've been at my best, me and my family are on a different page, like different wavelengths. And so then there's more of them and less of me. So eventually I end up, and then we end up back there. And then I want to do something for myself. And then, you know, it's a bit of a seesaw ride at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's just cool to hear your insight and sort of pick some things, reaffirm some things, mm. but also just be inspired to. Yeah. You, you, you are capable of anything. Mm. There's greatness inside you. There's greatness inside each and every one of us. I really believe that. You got to find the little things, the little triggers that might help you. For me, it's music. I can't work out if there's no music. It has to be a type of music. Sometimes it'll be slow jam. Sometimes it's like real gangster hip hop. Sometimes it's reggae. 
You gotta find what works for you, what triggers you, what pushes you to that place. And then you gotta look at whatever you, you're gonna work out for or whatever walk it is and just go for it. But your mind will be taken care of by the music, by what's going on in your head. My wife is gonna hate me talking about this right now, but, and she knows this coming. But <laughs> I used David Goggin once because I decided once to do like a 100K run. And, but using him in my head, listening to him when I was training and stuff for it was a real key thing about letting your mind go into a place of pain and being able to stay there for hours on hours. Your body's going through like all this physical stuff. It's almost breaking down, but you gotta stay in and you gotta stay in that place, right? But your mind, if you take your mind somewhere else, the body just follows. There's greatness inside you. I know this man, I know this. I was, when I was a solid dad in Otahu and I felt like nothing was going my way. I was pushing a pram in the rain. No one on Princess Street, Princess Street at eight o'clock in the morning is packed. There were two toddlers on the pram. It's pouring down. No one stops, no, one's open, no one opens their door. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm a loser. But I know, I know inside of me like, Mike, you can do this, man. You can do this. Come on, bro. You got this. You deserve better. Whatever it is out there, I don't know what it is. There's something out there, but I'm gonna get it. I start working out. I take the same thing into when I work out and push it further and further and further. The thing about your family as well is like, you gotta find things that work with your family. You gotta discuss with your family. Like, um, you gotta, you, it's, gotta, it's gotta be a family friendly thing, but it's gotta be a habit, but you can make it work. You can make it work. You can change what's in your fridge. You can change what you guys eat. Every, everything, man, is like is in, within your fingertips. Greatness is within you, is within each and every person. You know, once they realize that they can push themselves to limits that they mentally thought that they couldn't and go beyond that, then only then can they realize full potential. I don't think a lot of us have ever realized our full potential. A lot of us, mm. a lot of us never will. But the ability is inside each person, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background. See, that's the great thing about it. No matter where you come from, you know, Francis Ngannou, you know that guy, right? Yeah, UFC yeah, champion yeah, of the yeah. world. You ever hear his story about walking across, walking across the desert, the Sahara Desert, I think it was, traveling all the way to France, um, being locked up how many times as an immigrant, you know, and all these bad things that happened to him just because he had that thing inside him, like, I wanna be a champion, I wanna be a champion, I wanna be a champion never letting go of that dream. Greatness is inside. If he had never taken the risk that he would have taken, never would have got into the place. A lot of people, you know, a lot of humans, you know, they get to these great places. They never would have gotten there if they hadn't taken the first step and they made it consistent and kept going, kept going, kept going. We're blessed here in New Zealand, I think. We're blessed here. We have the opportunity, but it's up to each and every person to try and figure out for themselves, like really what they want to achieve, where they want to go and then start to work backwards from that, how to break down that goal. And then they start the first step tomorrow. Mm, man. I'd like to say amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> amen, man. You need to put that on your resume. Preacher, preacher as well, bro. Bro, mom, man, mom, bike, man. Bro, man, I just, like, I just want to get into amen to them. Amen to them. But I, I have I have seen um Jay uh, Mike and, uh, and Jay back in 2019 when Jay came back from Wellington he was in, he was in good, yeah man you look good man he was in good form and um and we did we, we trained together at F45 at that time yeah um, Jay right. yeah, yeah. the man was looking really good he was really strong um but if anything like you were saying I'm like just con you put you put the uh, brought forth the word consistency yeah consistency 
and being too comfortable. Mm. Because some people might be listening to this and, and viewing this and saying, man, but that's just, that's Mike's story. That's, mm. that's, that's, these guys are just super, there's something about them. And, and still feel like, I just can't achieve that. What, what do you say to those kind of people? Because people are like who pretty inconsistent mm. and just feel like, oh, I'm just too complacent now. I just, I don't know. I might as well just give up. How, how do you motivate people, individuals like that? Because you like, owe it to yourself. Yeah. You owe it to yourself, man. Think about all the things that you buy yourself, you know, or that you buy your loved ones and stuff. Think about all the things that you work for. You work so hard, you know, the things that you can't afford now and stuff, but you owe it to yourself. Your health is your wealth, you know, like, you, you could be broke, <laughs> you could be broke, but still your health is your wealth. If you have your health, man, if, if you look after yourself, your time on this planet is longer. You give yourself like another good 10, 15 years if you look after yourself. If you don't look after yourself, time goes faster or you know you end here in a much quicker quicker way. That's for real, that's a, that's a real thing. And that's a real thing for our Pacific Island people, you know, across across every spectrum because we live in a Western world now. The food is different. It's not the same food that we, our ancestors grew up on. You know, we're not going to the plantation every day. You're not using a hoar every day where you're using your body, you know, physically every day. No, you're sitting behind a desk or you're driving a truck. You know, you're being immobile. Your body is being immobile. Your mind is highly active because your mind is in high performance, but your body is not. So you got to match the two up and you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your families. You owe it to your families, man, to stay around, to hang around. Man, I know, I know guys that have passed away because of this. I know guys that have passed away like you, like mid forties, early fifties. My father, my father died at 41, dropped dead, heart attack. We lived in Tonga, it's a true story, 41. He started working out in the mornings. He started working out in the mornings, didn't smoke, didn't drink. However, eating roast pig and corned beef and stuff, it's gonna clog up your artery, you know. Our Pacific Island people use food as a reward, I get it. You know, use food as a reward. However, though, like when it comes to like a Western society and what we're doing every day, it clashes because you know we're not we're not working out like how our ancestors normally used to work out. We're not going to the bush every day, so you have to you have to combat that. That's why you have to move your body. It's so important. But once you move your body as well, it helps your mind. You know, but you you definitely you owe it to your families. You owe it to your families to stick around. You know, think about, I don't know if you ever think about, I think about it all the time. I think about what I'm gonna leave my wife, you know, when I die or what have I really left her, you know? Like if I, we'd recently got our life insurances done again and it makes you really think about what am I really leaving behind? I can leave finances and stuff behind, cool, that's great. But what have I really left behind or what habits have I ingrained in my family or what things that I impart to them that's gonna help them on their journey because that's who I really care about, you know? So what have I really done? And the more you can stick around for your kids, the better. And take this from someone that lost his dad at 10 years old. The more you can stick around for your kids, the better. You know, it, they'll go through so many things, but if you can help a little bit, guide them through some of the things as they get older, you know, they, they will owe their lives to you. So you definitely, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your families. And if you can't think of any better reason, use those reasons as, you know, if, those are the, if that's the reason why you get up in the morning and go to work, you know, for your family, then think about it the same way, that your health is your wealth and you owe it to your families to stay on this planet. Mm, nice, well said. Well said, Toko. Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> so I'll yeah. see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> Oh, I'll see you at oh. 60 tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm too tired. I'm too tired. I've injured my knee. I'm like, <laughs> oh man. 
<laughs> man, you you really just like just took me to a time when I used to think before when I when I knew my daughter was on her way, um, this child we'd been waiting for for ages, yeah. and I, I thought at the time, oh man, like having a child that would be the ultimate motivation. Like I'll do whatever it takes, um, and then for whatever reason. It just it didn't stick, and I thought, oh man, if a child's not enough to motivate me, like what the hell is going to motivate me then? Um, and then it was I realized after some unpacking with therapy and things that I was sort of battling this like I really wanted to give everything to this child, mm. but it's such a deep self loathing that there was just this conflict of I wanted to give everything, but at the same time I was thinking I wasn't worthy. Um, mm. And so just hearing your your words of affirmation, um, it just made me. Yeah, reflect on that and then thinking about where I am now where I have two kids now a three-year-old and a almost one-year-old um, and everything that I'm pushing for now is for them except the only area that I'm lacking in really is the physical area and I haven't quite found a way um, to get through that but hearing your words I think it's just just start so just, just start just it doesn't yeah. have to be anything amazing you know small steps it's always small steps and you always build you're always building building on that building on that but yeah, just start. Also, yeah, just start no. small, man. Start we'll do, small. We'll do. Yeah. Damn, You're going to thank yourself in five years from now. You will. You really will. I appreciate that also. Mm. It's cool. Thank you. And I think a lot of men watching this will, and listening to this, Mike, are going to really appreciate it because I can guarantee you people will maybe going, man, yeah, I need that push. I need that kind of kind of a nudge to kind of get up. I'm, I'm speaking for myself as well. I need that kind of nudge to get up. You know, I was supposed to get up this morning and I was like, oh, I couldn't get up this morning. And like you're saying, it just sometimes, you know, you, you can actually push yourself. You can actually really push yourself. It's, it's like kind of like, um, kind of like this. When you really want something, you got to do, you got to do everything in yeah. your power to get it. But, you know, sometimes we kind of shortchange our, ourselves. Mm. And it's, it's quite sad because I, I remember, I like what you said, that how many other people out there have all these goals and they never really achieve those goals or they never really see the, the, the greatness that there was within them. And that's really sad. I really think to myself, man, that's really sad. And, you know, I'm just thinking, well, what if, what if I'm this kind of one of those individuals? Like, man, because I have all these things. I want to do all these things and, and try all these things and, and, and to not complete it or not um, do them. It comes back to what you were saying early on. Such a disservice, man. Yeah, break them, break them down, man. Go back and break them down to like, to the, all the little different things that you want to achieve, just backtrack them, break them down to like, what's a little step I can do to this one today? What's a little step I can do to this one? What email do I need to send about this one tomorrow? Like the all little steps, the all little steps. But if you know what you, if you know what you really want, what your heart is calling for, then you just got to break it down and simplify it so that it's achievable for you. Mm -hmm. So cool, man. And even like you were saying earlier on, but your wife, giving flowers to your wife, it's, um, it is it's finding the right right support, the right people around 100%. you. Hey? Oh, man, right I, people. I can't emphasize that. Find the right queen or the right partner for you that is gonna that is gonna support you through thick and thin, you know, and that's always got your back is um, invaluable. Invaluable. If you can if you are lucky enough to have that, you know, then then there's two of you. There's two of you, man. That's cool. You know, like sometimes when you got a problem if sometimes you got if you got a problem if you're really close with your partner or your wife and you can talk to her about that, then you're not alone, you know? I think sometimes as men with mental health and struggling with it, and I know there's a lot of, there's a big push to like, for men to speak up more about it. And yes, it does come from like helping to support brothers 
and each other through it as well. But honestly, man, it can also extend to your partners, to your homes as well, you know, to your, your wives, your sisters. If you find that person that you really identify with or that you really click with, that you're really close to and you can reveal these things to them and they respect you enough to sit there and listen to you, then you've shared the problem, you've shared the load and it's the beginning of you starting to unpack or starting to figure out how to solve it, you know. Our people have a, have a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma, um, a lot of things that have happened to a lot of our generation or possibly the previous generation as well. And trying to unpack that trauma is never going to be an easy process. But it starts with having that first conversation, that first time of being honest about it, of speaking up about it. Because just like in therapy, when you're speaking about something, you've already said it out loud. So you've heard it. You've heard it come out of your own mouth as well. Not only have you just shared it to like probably a stranger, but you've heard yourself say it. And when you hear yourself say something, then it starts to like really make it real. And you're talking about it. It's not inside your head anymore. Yeah. But yeah, you're honestly, my, my wife is like my, my number one, my number one person. She's my best friend, man. She's my best friend. Yeah. And yeah. I, I owe so much to her. Yeah. That's so cool. Cause I, I can, we see, we share the same sentimental, um, in terms of our wives as well, Jay. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% man. And imagine it. Could I, I can imagine, uh, you know, it'd be quite detrimental for any man or for ourselves if we didn't get support from our, our ladies. Mm. Imagine how we would how we would be. It would just make things harder. It would just make your uh, probably your goal achieving harder. But also, having said that, like some people suddenly all of a sudden realize that actually the person I'm with isn't really the person that's my number one fan. It does happen, you know. And then you go through that process as well. But always, it's about. I think I think number one is that you got to find out what's going to make you happy. And what's going to make you love yourself? Because until you can like fully be content and happy, you can't really give it out, or you can't really accept other people's love. If you don't love yourself, you got to start with yourself first. It all starts with yourself and your own trauma and what you've been through. And once you can heal yourself, or you have healed yourself, only then can I think that you can be open to like other people's love. You know, because some people I don't think can be open to other people's love. You know, they find it harder to accept other people's love. You know. And it's a, it's a sad thing because because uh, you sometimes see people that are in relationships and one partner's the more giving one and the other one's probably the more staunch or more, and not necessarily male or female, it could be either, but you know, there's always that one that's sort of um, standoffish, you know, and you always wonder about that relationship and how that really works, you know, and how hard it must be, you know. Sometimes I think that about couples I come across and say, oh man, that's how hard it must be to live in that, you know, how exhausting how mentally exhausting to be in like a relationship where it's toxic, where it's it's not fully, you're not both in it for the same reasons, you know, and and I feel lucky. <laughs> I feel lucky that I'm at a place and in a relationship where I feel healthy and I feel complete and content. Yeah. Bro, yeah. Bro you're, you're blessed, man. You're blessed. We are, we are, we, we are 100% definitely blessed to have the, these ladies in our lives. And I know, that, I know that, yeah, because obviously you and, and, and Nora kind of work together. That's cool. And you love that. You love doing that with your wife, eh? What's you, that? You, you, you and your wife, you actually work together and you kind of, you know, just love yeah. doing these things together. We try to. We try to. I mean, <laughs> we try to. We don't often see eye to eye. We don't often see eye to eye. But, um, but no, she's, yeah, she's definitely my guy. You know, the, the person that I'll go to if I've got any, I've got any like, um, what do you call them? Um, Oh man, my words, my words. 
um, you know, when you've got a, like a dilemma and self, um, when you have low self esteem, I have low self esteem, or if there's something that I'm insecure about, yeah, I'll talk to her. I'll be like, "What do you think about this? You know, like, am I making, am I making the right call here, or am I? Do you think? What do you think from your perspective? And sometimes it might not be the answer that I'm looking for, but it's just the outside perspective of what I need to like to make a decision on something. Yeah. The other thing as well is like, I won't make any decision by myself. I won't make any financial decision or anything. It's always like, um, I'll come back to you about this because I'll talk to her like, what do you think about this? You know, what are the pros and cons? What do you think? Does this, is this good for us? Is it not good for us? We'll make this decision together, then go forward. Because it's, you know, it's a, it's a relationship. It's not a me, me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> me, yeah, me, yeah. me. It's a relationship. It has to always be respectful of each other and also acknowledge each other and how we move forward as a couple. Amen. Amen, man. Jay, any, um, I don't know, any, any kind of final questions that you, you want to share? Actually, there's, there are a couple of questions. I'll start with the first one. Um, what was the last heartfelt conversation you had with your son? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> this guy. This guy. This guy. I think it was about... Um, Last heartfelt conversation. Uh, my son is a, I have three sons. Um, I had a conversation with my oldest son. He he loves rugby, he's a rugby player. He plays at St. Peter's and they were fortunate enough to win their um, the competition, the um, under 14A. Um, so he has high expectations of himself. Uh, I had a conversation with him, I think when I was driving about toxic relationships. Hold on, was that him or was it another kid? There's <laughs> too many, there's too many. It might've been another kid. Might've been one of the girls. The, probably the last conversation I would've had with my son would've been about talking about when you're feeling down about yourself. Yes, it was, yeah. When you're feeling down about yourself or when you got things that, um, that cause you know, when you're 14, when you're 14, your body's changing everything and oh, all of a sudden there's chaos. Hey, mm. and the world is changing as well. But I had a conversation with him about um, whenever you have like dark thoughts or things that, cause we all have them, you know, things that bother you or things that you feel inadequate about yourself, that I'm always here to talk about them. And I'm gonna be honest with you about them as well. I'm telling it to you straight. I'm not gonna like sugarcoat or anything or like, you know, I'm just gonna tell you exactly what I know and how I feel and how that has led me and how some of the things that I, decisions that I made and what paths they took me down. I'm gonna give you the best I can, but I'm always here to talk to you about whenever you have those sort of thoughts. Yeah, he's a, mm. he's a deep thinker. He's a deep thinker, that kid, yeah. Man, that's <laughs> cool, awesome. cool. Honestly, props for just having their conversation. The reason I asked specifically about your son is because I know how important those conversations are to have mm. between father and son and the impact it can have when you don't have those mm. conversations and having to find things out the hard way. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. I think that's amazing. Um, and the last question was, um, what what comes to mind or what can you think of when, um, if you had to think of acting and compare it to like, as an analogy for life, what life advice could you come up with from your experience acting? Hmm. Don't judge your life, you know, or don't, you know how I said before about judging characters before you play them? Don't judge yourself. 
Don't put limitations on yourself. Don't put limitations. So like actors put limitations on characters that they're about to play, you know, but the right way to do it is like to approach a character with an open mind. Approach your life with an open mind. Imagine if your life is limitless. Imagine if your potential is like, is something beyond what your parents thought you were capable of, you know, what your community thought you were capable of. Imagine if that was your potential. Imagine if you're capable of those things. Imagine if you are the person that your community has been waiting for, but nobody knows it. Your parents don't know it, your church don't know it, but you are that person. And imagine if you knew that inside you, you know, you gotta keep an open mind, push for everything that you're capable of. I really mean that, take life by, with two hands, you know, and, and take what's yours. I think, to, I think too many times our Pacific Island people happily accept things, you know, and are grateful, you know, like, um, and I use the analogy of like a job, like if I was to give some of us like a, someone like a job and pay them like minimum wage, oh, thank you so much, thank you, really appreciate it. We all know this, right? However, that job needs you more than, than you need that job. But your, what you should expect for yourself is a minimum wage, man, you are worth so much more. Our Pacific Island people today, I don't think really value or, so that's a really bad generalization, you know? Some of our Pacific Island people the self value isn't as isn't as high as I would like it to be. I would like the self value to be quite high. Expect high standards. Expect high values. Expect that the place that you work for really values you because it does. You know what I mean? Companies do hire and hire people, you know, all the time. But if there's one thing that our Pacific Island people bring is um, they might be uncomfortable in the new role at first, but they start to learn it and they get comfortable in it. Then they start to bring their persona into it, which increases the value of that role. They start to bring themselves into it. They make that role theirs. They, they get comfortable in that role, right? The thing about it is that once a company loses that person, they haven't just lost that role. They've lost that whole thing that that person has built into it. But you never knew that you weren't just worth that role. You're worth more. I don't know if this is making sense at all, I'm, I'm trying to talk about self-value and about self-worth and that you should always expect a high standard for what you think and you should be honest with yourself about what your worth is and how hard you work. Never expect, never expect just to say thank you for the lowest thing that's given to you. Take what's yours, demand a higher pay, demand a higher salary. If you know you're gonna work to that potential, if you know you have that potential, if you know that you're gonna achieve the things that the company wants of you to that amount of money, ask it. You're never gonna know if you're not gonna ask. Mm. I've done it a few times. It's a real thing, it's a real thing. Just because the color of your skin is brown, just because your Pacific Island heritage, for whatever reason, but if you know your value in yourself and what you bring to something, then demand that value. Don't be shy about it. Don't think that, oh, I should just be grateful, or my lord, say be, say be. No, don't. You live now in a Western world, you live in New Zealand, so you have to adapt to the way these people think. You gotta, you gotta change the playing field. You gotta change, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't just be satisfied with like what's being put on your plate. You know, make the plate bigger. It's your plate. Yeah. Thank you. Man, Mike, just um, it also just just one more one more thing as well, Mike. You know, I think a lot of people talk about legacy, and you know, we always want to leave a legacy for our kids and for our families. Um, but I, and I want to kind of touch the legacy um, aspect, but for our men, 
and I'm just you know, for all men, you know, especially more so the men of our nation. If you had to choose, pinpoint one thing, one hope for our men, whether whether we're whatever generation, even the, the the next generation. And I know we could say a lot of great things, but if you were able to pinpoint just the one thing, the one hope for the men of this nation, what would it be? Be kind. Be kind, man. Be kind. The The world is so much more limitless and open if you're kind. If you're kind to other people, if you're kind to your children, if you're kind to yourself. If you're kind, if, be kind. There's, it's an it's a easy, simple word, but if you think about what does, look, what does it look like being kind to myself? What does that mean, being kind to myself? Like if I really break that down, what does that mean? Am I spend more time on myself? Do I need to, what am I supposed to do? Go to therapy? Am I supposed to work out? Be kind to myself? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to be kind to your family? What does that mean? Or what, are, what behaviors do I have to change now towards my family to be kind to them? If you really think about it, be kind to like strangers in the community. Why would I do that? Because you're a community. You know, being kind to other people because you don't know what they're going through. It comes back to that thing like people are on different journeys. But if you're kind to someone, I'm not saying all this is like a pro Jacinda <laughs> speech because I know Jacinda had it was like one of her taglines during COVID, you know, be kind to each other. But I really, I really mean it. Like men, be kind, be kind, man. Like you can be, I don't know what the real saying is, but you can be like the fierce, the fiercest warrior, right? But stuff it up again <laughs> the fiercest guys if they're kind it says so much about who they are as men their strength as men you know i see i see like um some guys that are really staunch guys but the moment that you see that they're kind it shows you a different side of them it shows you their heart it shows you it shows you that they value the other people in front of them. They value their communities. They value their children. They value their families. Being kind allows other people to like grow. If you're not kind to other people, then you yourself can't grow. You know, I don't know. That's what just came to mind. Hey man, hey. I love it. That's so awesome. Also, oh man, we've been really blessed, DJ. Absolutely, Brad. We've been blessed, eh? um, oh, Yeah, days. man, bro. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank oh, you, guys. Man, man. No, we need we need to have a part two, um, bro. Because we, we, I feel like we just kind of touched a bit of the surface. There's so much more we haven't touched on in the real estate industry, uh, the fencing, um, you know, industry as well. So there's there's so much we can un unwrap and um and unravel. But because of time's sake, and because I know you, you know you got your, your beautiful family back at home, Dogo. Man, so much nuggets. We really, we really appreciate what you what you've shared, and so like every every guest that comes on, we always give them a, a a gift. So we always give them a caricature of of them of themselves, and so Togo. <laughs> this is for you, Togo. <laughs> for you, my Togo. Oh, what? Who drew this? <laughs> uh, me, I did, bro. Togo, but hey, man, this is cool, we, man. Um, so that's that's on behalf of the of the, of the mandate team, bro. We appreciate oh, bro, this your time. Is awesome. Appreciate your time, man. Appreciate your your <laughs> words of wisdom, pearls of wisdom, bro. Um, man, we, now we were really blessed, man. We're being really blessed. Uh, but Doko, is, is there anyone that you can think of that would be ideal to come on on the podcast? Who who on the top of your head? Who you who do you think could be anyone? Gilbert Anoka. Do you know who that is? Gilbert Anoka is the mental skills coach for the All Blacks, Cook Islander. Um, I heard him speak once. I was very, very fortunate to 
um, have a session with him um, in a room full of people and I heard him speak for three or four hours. Um, mate, that guy has got, has got some amazing nuggets of gold. Um, his journey as well um, of becoming the mental skills coach for the All Blacks is, um, is crazy. And talk about changing perspective and shifting things from negatives into positives. Um, yeah, Gilbert, there's, there's a lot of guys around me I know as well. I think Coach Helper as well that I work with at the gym is, um, is an amazing man and strong man of God um, and has really high values as well. Um, there's, there's, I'm, I, th I feel very blessed that there's a many men in my community that I think would be, be amazing here to hear what their thoughts are, what their, um, how they feel about things and what their teachings are, you know? And like I said before, I don't think like I'm anyone special. I'm definitely not, not, you know, I don't classify myself as anyone special. I just classify myself as like husband and father. I was just trying to hustle each day for my family, but I'll do whatever it takes to make sure it happens. And, th and that's what makes you special, Duko. That's what makes you 100% special. Um, so glad. Uh, but yeah, Gilbert, if you're listening, bro, it'd be awesome. Um, but otherwise, Duko, we always give our guests the last word of encouragement for our men. So take it away. Take it away, Duko. To encourage all the men out there? Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, man. Guys, um, your value, your value in yourself is so important. The way you see yourselves is, you might think it's like a selfish thing. You might think it's, you know, being indulgent where you try to like do self-value or or really look after yourself but the truth is like it's not really done enough as it should be done and so the more you can practice this your self-value and really appreciating like who you are and how far you've come you're here for a reason your parents came here for a reason and you're a reason you you are you are blessed no matter where you are no matter where you are in your journey of life and i really hope that whoever's listening to this um gets something out of it um really hopeful for like you know for our community of men here in New Zealand um, I know things aren't as easy as we'd always hoped them you know want them to be uh, right at the moment we're going through crazy time economically and stuff you know I know this is a real estate agent you know the property markets dipped and everything and people finding it tough to pay their mortgages and stuff but all that stuff doesn't really matter if you compare it to like what's already inside your house and what you already have. Uh, you had on here uh, Frank Hicks. I know Frank from a while ago and Frank is a big strong um, advocate for um, solo fathers, you know, gaining access to the children. I got a lot of respect for that. And so for all the men, you know, that aren't yet separated from their families and stuff, it's really understand what you've currently got in your hands at the moment and what you could lose because listening to Frank really made me understand like oh, brah there's a whole court journey and stuff you know that you could potentially go through so be thankful for what you've got be thankful for where you're currently at and just do a little bit each day to better yourself not asking for massive steps just a little bit each day to better your journey to from where you were yesterday and so please like subscribe and please look forward to your well thought out comments and please once again let's give him a hand Michael Kaloi thank you guys thank you so much as usual Jay I'm Antis Refine unlock and take charge what's up brothers thank you mandate